Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. everyone. Happy Friday. Great to have you with us. Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle is on vacation. Danny Mac in for Michelle along with Randy Carriker. We're coming up on 701 in 3, 2, 1. Woof. It's 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Daniel. Ready? Are you ready for the weekend? I am ready for the weekend. Let's uh, get through some of the uh, the driving issues that we've had. And the snow is going to be plowed and cleared. And we're going to have Bellican basketball tomorrow. Lots of sports going on. So, yeah, I'm ready for the weekend. How about you? I, I'm ready to uh, rock and roll. Should be even though it's going to be a little bit slow, a fun sports weekend. And the Billikens obviously will be a focus here in St. Louis with the Blues off for the All-Star break. But Jeremy Rutherford is going to join us later. Has a piece up at The Athletic about Jordan Cairo playing in the All-Star game, the NHL All-Star game. A lot of college basketball this weekend and still a few NFL coaches that are have not been hired. Still a few teams straggling out there waiting to hire their coach. The Billikens, as Dan mentioned, 15-6, and 6-2. Six, six and two. They're third in the A-10 host Dayton. Beat Dayton tomorrow at Chaffetz Arena. Dayton, the Flyers, 15-7, and 7-2 seven, seven in the conference. They're in second place, and that's a 1 o'clock game. Yeah, Billikens in third place, and then Davidson just won loss at the top of the conference. You're a season ticket holder. Mm-hmm. You uh, headed down to Chaffetz? We will be there. Good. Wouldn't miss it. Taking the fam? Yep, everybody will be on hand. Good. Yeah, it's a great weekend to go. And as Travis Ford has told us before, it's such a great atmosphere. You don't, and especially if you have a family, you don't have to love basketball to go. But if you have little kids, they'll have a great time at a Billiken game. I got a, uh, can I go off the, the sidetrack here? May. Okay, all right. So uh, I need some advice. And this may have to be Uncle Randy, too. I don't, okay, I'm not we sure. Can provide this. And maybe uh, some textures can help me out. I have my first ever uh, father daughter dance this weekend okay good that's saturday night Mm -hmm. so i'm just trying to figure out what like what goes on in these things you know i do all the girls just kind of go hang out they do their dances and you know have fun and they don't really want to dance with dad yeah but you got to get a dance in or two right dance in exactly slow dance i would assume exactly all right yeah so uh no you just let her guide the evening so she's there with her friends they're running around acting hanging out with the crazy people okay so that'll be fun do you do you know what song you're going to dance to? Do or do you just no, guess? No, okay. I, I just figured it'd be some kind of slow okay. song so we can check that box off and say, yeah, we danced. Good, yeah. Katie did. She she was a dancer. She took dance lessons for many many years, and when they graduate, you have to do a father daughter dance up on stage for their last recital. Oh, and that's cool. So, yeah, so we we learned how to do that. Mike Jones and I, Mike and his daughters were in the in the same class as Katie. So yeah, we all wound up doing the uh, be- becoming dancers. And 
I am not athletic, as you know, and so I didn't look good. And it was heartening to find out, and I think Mike would tell you I would this. assume not many of the dads look good, no, Randy, no. so you, you weren't the only one. But as light on his feet as Mike Jones was making yeah. the tackle, right? That's right. Uh I, I think he'd tell you that he's probably not the best dancer either. I don't think any of us dads were great at that. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. I, I, don't feel bad is what I'm trying to say. I, I think you were probably not the only one I in that group. I did not stick out like a thor- sore thumb. No. I was able to do my steps. Yes. I bet so, you were just fine. Well, enjoy that. Yeah, right, do you it have the game fun. tomorrow? Is tomorrow a, a stupid network game? I think it's a network game. Uh, I know we don't have it, so... Uh, It'll okay. be on television, but I think they're calling it a Billiken Blizzard, so they, they're going to pack whiteout? that place. Yeah, okay. I think it might be a whiteout. Uh, hopefully, okay. we're going to try to catch up with Travis Ford this morning, and maybe we can ask him about that. We do have Jay Delsing coming up at the bottom of this hour. We're going to talk some golf and the interesting things that Phil Mickelson has had to say over the course yeah. of the last few days. We're also going to talk to Joe Vitale, as we do every Friday, Jeremy Rutherford, and then at the end of the show, Ross Tucker from Westwood One, and the Ross Tucker podcast is going to join us. And we'll talk about the Super Bowl. Speaking of football, ESPN reporting that the Jaguars will hire, if they haven't already, they have, I guess, hired Doug Peterson, former Eagles Super Bowl winning coach, as their new head coach, replacing the deposed Urban Meyer. Interesting. Uh, I think it's a good move. You know, he's won a Super Bowl. He had last year out. You get some stability. You put him in there. But again, we're going to talk about the lack of Mm African-Americans in these jobs. And it's, I don't want to say it's a retread, but that's kind of the league, right? I mean, you, you get this job, you get fired, you go to there, you become a coordinator, you build it back up, you go get another head coaching job. That's just the way it works. That's how the cycle works with a lot of these coaches. Mm-hmm. But I would think, though, that he's solid in the fact that he's been there, done that, and can, and has a chance to win because they should have a chance to win. They And hopefully, I would say this, you know, you look at what the Giants said with what they did with their QB and Jones. They said, we've ruined him. Well, you better not ruin Trevor Lawrence. He was the number one overall pick and a guy that they expected to be really good. And he did not look good this year at times. So you got to get the right guy with him to to get the most out of him. He's a franchise-type player. And with the Vikings apparently being locked in on Kevin O'Connell, the offensive coordinator of the Rams, the remaining jobs that are open are Houston. I don't know if you really want that one. And Miami. And I don't know if you really want that one. And the jobs that have been filled so far have all been filled by white guys. Yep. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. I, I would guess that, uh, oh, New Orleans hasn't filled theirs yet either with the departure of Sean That's Payne. right. And they are going to interview Eric Bieniemy and have some interest in Bieniemy. So, so maybe we'll have a deserving minority candidate get at least one of the jobs. So Byron Leftwich pulled his name from the um, Jags. Yep. And then you still have because, Eric Bieniemy out there. I mean, right. those are two quality candidates that right. you should be looking at. And Jim Caldwell, we mentioned yeah, yesterday. For he, sure. He's 67, yes, but he did take the Lions to the playoffs twice. He's been to a Super Bowl. There's a, a ton of really good quality candidates. Mike McDaniel, the offensive coordinator, and D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator from the 49ers. There's a ton of great minority candidates out there. I was thinking about this. You know, the Bears really haven't been the same since Lovey Smith. No, they haven't. I mean, and they, they fired him after Super Bowl. A, yep, fired him after a 10-6 season. Yeah, yeah. 10 win year. Yeah. He gets canned. We I was reap, looking at that last yeah. night. Reap what we sow. It's unbelievable, huh? Yeah, they hired uh, Mark Trestman one time. Yeah. I remember when, not that Billy Devaney did a great job, and I guess he was in the process of hiring Spags, and I said, how's everything going with the coaching search? And he said, it's fine. It's just, 
you got to sift through a lot of these guys and people applying for the job, like Mark Trestman. He said it that way, kind of in a yeah. derisive tone. And I agreed with him. Why, why the hell would anybody hire Mike, Mark Trestman? And then the Bears did. Yes. <laughs> By the way, where is Billy Devaney? I don't know. I think he was working for uh, a media outlet last he was. I saw. Yeah. yeah. I, the last time I think I remember seeing him was on ESPN. Yeah. He was doing some work for them. By the way, is that your phone going off there? It's not my phone, I don't know. It sounds like a, uh, a wounded animal. But yeah, anyway... No, I think um, my phone is muted, Dan. I usually... Yeah, mine uh, is too. I-, I learned my lesson from... Did you hear that too, Matt? Yeah, a little squeal or something? Yeah, I, yeah, I heard that too. Uh, I learned my lesson from Brad Thompson, who is a regular, if you have your phone up. Oh, I, yeah, he'll call you. Oh, yeah. You're on the air, he'll call you. Yep. He'll send you... So, oh, let, let me tell you a Brad Thompson story. Okay. Uh, one time we were... I was at home on their show, okay, mm-hmm. and uh, you could hear my phone ring in the background. It was my cell phone, mm-hmm. but it wasn't You're one on of the landline. Yes, and it wasn't one of the guys that uh, was on the show, but he heard it. We were in a very touchy, sensitive, sad subject, and he started blowing up my phone. <laughs> That's BT. And I, I said afterwards, I said, "What is wrong with you?" He said, "I just want to make sure that you were paying attention." <laughs> So I'm trying to get in this deep, sensitive subject, and it just in the background. Yep. And it was BT just continuing that's, to call me. That's Brad. from the studio. He's a funny guy. Oh, he's, he's hilarious. A, he's, a, he's a prankster. Yes. So back in the day, when Dan used to do intermissions <laughs> for the blues on the radio, KMOX required us. This was in pager days, beeper days. Oh yeah. You had to carry that on your belt, twenty four seven, on your person. Had to on, sleep with uh, it on your person, and you could put it up so that you could either have it loud and it'd go, or you could have it so that it went buzz. And Dan, sometimes when he would go in to do an intermission, would not remember to put it on and it'd be on and if it ever was i made it a point if yes, i was you working did. when dan went into the little studio to do the intermission to call said pager on his belt and have it go why did you do that dan i'm like slapping at his side to try to turn this thing off i'm slapping at my side i'm then going like this because then i got i'm off mic then i'm on mic and the Blues scored, and here was, uh, you know, Pavel to me, and then you're, and you thought it was hilarious, and then I, I'd I look right, it's hilarious. I'd look right behind me in the glass window, and there you were. I had friends do this to me when I was in college when yeah. I was broadcasting. I'd be like, I'd be like, guys, I'm doing the Mizzou basketball game today. Of course, three minutes into the game, my phone just starts buzzing every two seconds, and I just thought my friends were terrible people. But apparently, it's just you know, the world we live in. So I had a friend of mine, uh, and I'm not going to say his name, but there are times during the Cardinal games, and I have my phone there in case I need to get information. So sometimes our internet can get spotty, and I'll have to use my phone, you know, just to get on there and get in, in, info. So this guy is just blowing me up. He's like, man, say say something about me. Say say I'm, you know, uh, whatever, ha- happy, whatever. <laughs> just, just say something about me. I want to show my friends, that, you know, that I can get this done. And he's he's really pissing me off. I'm getting mm-hmm. sick of it. Because every time I'm trying to read this, it keeps popping up, you know, the little text. Mm-hmm. So I finally said, no problem. I got it. And I said, boy, while we have a moment here, uh, Joe Blow uh, had a serious uh, situation, uh, but he's going to be okay. 
Everything is all right. He's going to get out of the hospital. Everything's going to be just fine. But, hey, if you know him, wish him well. Make sure that he's doing okay. So I get done with the game. He calls me up. He's like, my mom's in tears, uh, wondering if I'm okay. He said a year later, he was still getting people that would he'd run into at lunch and go, you know, like grab his arm. Are you okay? Joe, is, is everything all right? He's like, yes, I'm all right. Let me tell you the story. I said, so don't mess with me. That's what I told That's him. Awesome. I said, you learned your lesson. Good for you. Yes. And speaking of baseball, Major League Baseball yesterday requested the immediate assistance of a federal mediator to help resolve the sports lockout, potentially inserting the presence of a neutral party to end the work stoppage. The league reached out to the Federal Mediation and Conciliation Service, a government agency that attempts to help resolve labor disputes. Mediation is not mandatory, and the MLB Players Association would need to agree to the involvement of a third party. But at least people are, mediation rarely works in situations like this, but at least they're putting on the dog and pony show as if they yeah. really care. Yeah, it's. I think a lot of people believe this is PR, um, which is fine. You can look at it that way. Uh, the other thing is, though, there have been times in even other sports where they've done this, and it's worked. Mm-hmm. They, they bring in the third party, and... Somehow they they get a, you know, that window cracks open a little bit and they agree on a couple of things where the mediator helps him and then boom, it's the, you know, the the highway to to a deal. So we'll see. One thing I learned, because my wife did a lot of mediation over the years in her days as an attorney, and then I learned subsequently from this St. Louis versus uh, the NFL lawsuit, where this was not the first mediation they had when they came to the agreement. Not all mediators are smart or... (laughs) Not not all of them are impartial. And so if they're going Bingo. to have any success here, it, it really is going to have to be an impartial third party and not somebody who thinks, oh, $100 million is a whole lot of money. When for us it is, but for Major League Baseball or for St. Louis against the NFL, it's not. Right. And Im- impartiality is the key there. Yeah. And having an understanding of, of what both sides you know the amount of money. I mean, it's a it's a monumental task to try yeah. to figure this thing out. But um, man, we just need to get baseball. We just do. the, the yeah. bottom line. Holy smokes! All right, we're off and running here on uh, Danny Mac and Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. What's your peak of the week? What's your pit of the week? Pit peak and pit next on one hundred and one ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Up into the peaks or into the pit? Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Character and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. All right, time for Peak or Pit here on 101 ESPN. Dan, my peak of the week was the Billikens getting that double overtime win. That was mine. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Well, how, uh, I've got a pit for you then. Oh, there it is. Uh, and then my, my pit. I bet it's mine. Go ahead. It's the Rams winning. We're the same? Yeah, we're the same. That tells Thanks you something, doesn't it? You cheated a lot in high school, didn't you? I did not. Danny. I did see the grades. Randy, I think he'd, he'd rather have Clearly. a segment like last, last yesterday at 7.15 where we forced him to start reading off the 
uh, rundown for the rest of the show. Would you like that instead of Randy no, copying you? No, because okay, then he puts me in uncomfortable well, spots. Okay. Pick your poison. That's the thing. I don't put anybody in an uncomfortable spot. You start yeah. talking about death and various big, things. Big game, Gibby Jim. Yeah, that, Jim. that'll mess me up. I, I told him. I So I got called in to do the slew game. Did I tell you that? A couple weeks ago yeah, from NBC. There. Remember when, oh, that, uh, that's right. And we were talking, and, and Gibson Jimerson goes off for 31. Randy texts me in the middle of the game, and I said, yep. I said, I'm starting to screw this thing up. Gibson, Gimerson, Gimerson, Jimmy, Jimmy, Gib, Gib, Big, Blop, 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 Blop. I couldn't even get his name out, but I didn't mess up, though. I just had to think about it before it came out of my mouth. So for some crazy, nutty reason, I have my junior high school Parkway North transcript in my backpack because I showed it to Michelle one time and I've never taken it out. You've seen it. I just handed it over to Matt Rocchio. Matt, did I ever cheat in high school? Not well, apparently. <laughs> well, if he did, the people around him weren't very bright. Exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> so check out that GPA. You can you can reveal it. Um, it was I'm 59 now. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no. it was a it was a you had a 1.9 in 70 in, in in your junior year, I guess. Yeah. And then your senior year, you had a 1.7. Not great, but then I I got caught fire in the second semester of my senior year. Two five. Yeah, well, no, it was two, like, two. look at this A in physical education for and Randy. Here, yeah. And I can tell you something else. Here, let me. And, so. and, a B. and a there's B? a B in journalism there. How about that? Yeah, journalism teacher. So yeah. I can give you one little note from my journalism that I remember as if it was yesterday. We were learning how to write headlines. And, you know, you, you have a type size that you have to do for headlines for the school newspaper. And we got a new principal, and his name was Tony Nash. And it was really difficult to, with the word principal, to fit a headline in. So the headline in the Parkway North school newspaper, text in if you remember the name of the school newspaper, Parkway North. The headline of my story was, Nash New Top Dog. <laughs> they let it in. Nash New Top Dog. Because he was the new principal at school. <laughs> It was Mr. Nash. Tony Nash, yeah. Okay, Nash, so Nash, Nash new, new top. top dog. Yeah. I think that's actually a pretty good headline, though. Thank you. I, I thought it was good. That that's that works. Yeah. Okay, so my accumulative... Accumulative. It was 1.92. And uh, so this is the end of my junior year. And in my senior year, what I did was got on DECA, Distributive Education Clubs of America. There was a gas station called Onyx up here, which is now a Valvoline mm-hmm. oil change. Yeah. And I left school after the third hour doing DECA, and I got grades for the last four hours of the day by going to work. And I got all A's. And I think I might have finished with something like a 2.8. So when you bring that thing home, what did your parents say? What did they do? I think my mom said, you have a good brain. What's your reason for this? Yeah, I'm not really interested. And then as I subsequently found out many, many, many years later. So let's see if we can find the history class here. Modern American history. Oh, I got a C and a B. Okay. So there was a teacher that went to a an assistant principal. And the teacher said to the assistant, it was a history teacher, who gave me a, a I'm shocked now looking back that I got a B. And... He said to the assistant principal, what are we going to do about this Randy character kid? And the assistant principal said, 
what are you talking about? He's a good kid. And the history teacher said, all he does in my class is sit in the back and talk sports. <laughs> and the assistant principal said, oh, you know what? He's going to do that. Don't worry about it. That's what he's going to do in, yeah. in life. And, and so here the, we are. This is, yeah, junior in high school. So the, the assistant principal got it, yeah. understood, and he caused this history teacher to get it. Clearly, Dan, as I look at this, he did not inform the algebra teacher no, of this. No, the algebra teacher didn't uh, buy in, huh? Algebra teacher was bars, B-A-A-R-S. And I got an F in the second semester, or first semester, and an F in the second semester. I'm telling you, once they introduced letters into math, I was done. Yeah. All right. Uh, angles, text, text. angles weren't good for you? No, no, no not at geometry. all. Geometry. Uh, 65780. Enough about uh, kids. The, the moral of the story is Talk sports. Don't worry about your GPA. Now, don't get Fs, but once you get out of college, nobody's going to care about what your GPA was in your junior year of high school. Don't get Fs like I did. Well, I I agree with that, but can I put a little, my own little stamp on it? Yes, you can. I would just prefer the guy that's going to do my surgery had pretty good grades. That's the, that's the oh, only yeah, thing. That's if true. I, if I got surgery, you know, I'd, just, I'd like to have pretty good grades. But isn't that kind of a given? Yes, I would agree now, with that. Uh, unfortunately, there does have to be a worst med school student. That's, that's, that's true. Say, somebody, somebody's <laughs> the bottom of their class, right, right. and they still pass. But other than that, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like, yeah. you, you got to have it, I guess. Yeah. You know, like your, your kids, the first thing that they're asked is, do you have a degree? Yep. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. All right, Matthew, what do, we, what do we have on the text line for Peaker Pit? We kind of got off the, the rails here a little bit. That was bit. good, though. I Peak, like it. I had a bunch of symptoms, but tested negative for COVID. Pit, Congrats. I've still been really sick this week. Eh, kind of sucks, but better to, to, to not have COVID. Uh, Peak, I didn't have to work yesterday. Pit, it was because I had a consultation for a vasectomy. <laughs> when uh, I had my consultation for a vasectomy, I threw up. The doctor told me what was going to happen. And as I'm hearing the doctor, I can feel You're my face squeezy getting, right now. Yeah, right? I, it happens. I felt my face getting all flushed and sweaty. And as I leave God. the office, I said to the receptionist, can you tell me where the restroom is? She said, right over there. And I went in and I literally threw up after the consultation because of, they were telling me what they were going to do to me. So did you, uh, when you had this procedure, when I retired, yes, um, <laughs> when, when you were... <laughs> So you were put out to stud for a while, but then after that, they, you were asked to retire. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so did you have it like during the NCAA tournament? No. So you could, you know. I wasn't thinking in those terms then. I wish I would have been. Okay. But no, I didn't. Okay. But, you know, you, you sit on ice. Yeah. I, I do recall sitting on a couch and watching TV, sitting on ice and watching a couch. Yeah. Or watching TV on a couch. Okay. Yeah. My pit of the week is no blues to watch in the snow and the cold and having to work. But my peak NHL skills tonight, and I have Thursday off. Oh, very nice. Yeah, NHL skills will be fun tonight. Cairo's in the uh, fastest skater competition. Yeah, I hope he wins. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'll, I'll watch. Yeah, me too. I'll watch. And my annual raise kicked in today. That's his peak, his pit. My wife has earmarked said raise for a salon day. Well, that's, you know. Hey, happy wife. Happy life. Yeah. I, I don't mind. You know what? Hey, Randall. The money you make, and you make a boatload, goes yeah. right goes right to Joan, right to the kids. You don't see. Well, it. I'll tell and, you this. Yeah, you, know, you got your occasional. Uh, you know, for you it'll be like a TV or something. But other than that, it's going to the family. Dan, we're we're lucky because people pay us to do what we love to do, right? That's right. 
I actually wish my wife would spend more money on herself. She is very selfless. I spend a lot of money on myself. TV, you know, TVs, golf clubs, stuff like that. Uh, Joan do consultations for other wives? She doesn't know. She's retired. She just uh, okay. I wasn't sure about yeah. that. You know, just maybe that mindset that she yeah, can yeah, pass yeah, on to yeah, others. Amazon problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, but hey, you only live once. Let it rip. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, but I do appreciate the selflessness. Yeah, but uh, yeah. It's, so what do you spend on? What do I spend on? Yeah, like I said, TVs, golf clubs, uh, whatever. Here's the problem. Traegers. Like we come up. Traeger grill. Yeah, that, everybody benefits, yeah. including myself with the carrot right. cake. When go. we come up on a birthday or a Father's Day or a holiday, I always get. You always buy whatever you need right away and i have a tendency to do that which it's not a positive all the time okay but that's it's an impulsive buy but yet in your mind i think it's a necessary buy so i've got a buddy right now and i guarantee he's listening and i guarantee he's going to text me but uh he keeps up to date on the latest golf technology he says see we need to get you into this and so, uh, well, I can tell you it is. It's Chris Muir over at Golf Discount. He said, okay. we, need you get, we, we need you to get you into this. And I say, okay. And then I wind up getting it. What was the last golf item that you bought? I just bought a, uh, a wedge that I like. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it, it'll benefit me, maybe, sometimes. Last, uh, the, I think the last clubs I got one. were my wedges. Yeah, but I think I'm in the market for a new driver now. Okay, that's always changing. It is. It's and crazy. They're, they're unbelievable. How what a difference they're making. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 Jay Delsing has a guest this week that I think is from TaylorMade, but they ta- they get into a lot of just how the technology changes constantly, yeah. just constantly. But the other thing is. You get on like a track band, and it can measure mm-hmm. your swing. It can measure your sw- your club head speed, exit velocity, all that stuff. Um, they they can get to down to the nth degree of what you need, and it does benefit you. So you go get tested. You go, you know, try some different uh, clubs out, and it does it does help you. And if the technology is there to help you to continue your frustration in golf, but to limit said frustration, why don't you do it? Yeah. The new tailor-made driver, by the way, the Stealth, is carbon fiber. Yeah. It's apparently unbelievable. All right, that's Peaker Pitt on 101 ESPN. Coming up, speaking of Jay Delsing, he'll join us next and tell us about some of the new things coming out for the new golf season. Dan and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Danny Mac and Randy on 101 ESPN. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend, the one and only Jay Delsing, who you hear Sunday mornings here on 101 ESPN, set to join us. Jay, of course, with uh, the 9 to 10 slot on Sunday morning and always great things. And Dan, we're getting into the the meat now of the golf season. We've gotten through the, and I think this the, this weekend, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am is kind of the, the end of the silly season, and we, we, we start to get serious once we get past Valentine's Day. I agree. Are you a fan of the uh, Pro-Am? I am. I do. I love it. This particular weekend, I think it's fun yeah. to see the other athletes that are playing golf and to see that, you know what, these are great athletes, and uh, I can play with some of these guys. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the beauty of golf, isn't it? Anybody can play. You figure out your handicap. 
than to do it that way and make it fun. And that's what this thing's about. Jay Delsing with us now on 101 ESPN. And Jay, this is a fun part of the calendar with the Pebble Beach Pro-Am because it's such an historic tournament. It started by Bing Crosby, what, 90 years ago, and it's still going strong today and back to having three courses. How do you like the format and how do you like the weekend with the Pebble Beach Pro-Am? Well, good morning, guys. Good morning. The Pebble Beach tournament was my favorite. I, um, you know, when we started, it was called the the Crosby Clambake, and we would get to get up and and um, Cypress Point was actually one of the golf courses in the rotation. And I'm not that smart a guy, but I knew I wasn't going to get that many opportunities, so I would always play 36 holes and practicing over at Cypress <laughs> because it was such a great experience and. What, what, what I remember was um, playing with some of the people that I that I played with and some of the, the celebrities and folks that I met over the years. I remember one time I had finished my round, or I was getting ready to play my round, and I went in to this little area near the driving range uh, where they had some breakfast. And I was I, I'm kind of a light eater before I was going to play, and I just sat down with this young guy, and we just started talking. I had no idea who he was. And uh, he clearly didn't know who I was either because when I tell you the story, he, I, I walk out of the place and my caddy's standing there and I walk out with a fellow I was sitting with and I said, hey, man, have a great day. And, and hope it goes well for you and um, stuff like that. He said, yeah, same to you. And the guy says, how long have you been friends with Justin Timberlake? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. Who, Justin, who's that? And he goes, that, that's, that's Justin Timberlake right there. So when I told my daughters, and I just had breakfast with Justin Tuber. Like, they were pissed. They're like, Dad, what? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. He had eggs. I had eggs. We didn't think about I didn't think about any of that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> who was the uh, – let me ask you this. Like, Barkley, some of those guys, who had some of the, the great swings that you saw and who had some of the poor swings of the non-PGA players that you saw? Uh, Danny, um, I was so – I think I've told you this story maybe before, but I was so – so bummed that Julius Irving could not swing at all. It was back in 1985. It was my rookie year, and the equipment hadn't. We haven't had much of a equipment uh, evolution, and so he was playing with clubs that were way too short for him. His hands were way too big, and he he just couldn't get the ball. He couldn't hit the ball out of the, out of the studio. Every single swing went about ten yards, and I went, "Oh my gosh!" I was I was just floored by uh by that but some of and and um uh, everybody loves raymond what is that ray romano ray romano Ray yeah. Romano. <laughs> he could kill an entire gallery he would shoot balls in every direction i can remember one day i was uh working on a couple of bunker shots at um spyglass and he came over and said is there any way you can help me get out of the bunker and i said <laughs> well yeah just grab you're a 60-degree wedge. He goes, no, I mean physically get out of the bunker. <laughs> Some of these bunkers are so deep I can't get out. <laughs> and I saw, we just laughed, and I gave him a quick bunker lesson and stuff. But that was the thing, the, the game, besides bringing us all together and leveling the the social playing field, it, it just brought out this camaraderie, you guys, that was just uh, – Fantastic! I'm trying to think of from a um, Bill Murray. I was actually, just going to ask you: Have you ever played with Bill really Murray? Good. No, no. But I played right behind him at Poppy Hills the year that he. Uh, I'm standing out in the 18th fairway, waiting to go for this uh, par five and two, and there's probably about 10,000 people around the green, and 
so I'm about 250, 260 yards away, and I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going on, but there is an uproar, and 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 um, I, I'm waiting, and, and it just, I'm kind of getting pissed. It's taking so long, right? And it turns out that Bill was playing with Jeff Sluman and Scott Simpson up in front of me. He grabbed a woman out of the crowd, threw him over his shoulder ran around the 18th green twice and then dumped her physically dumped her in the sand track <laughs> in the bunker and the people were going crazy. So they had to re-rake the bunkers. And when we finally got up there, um, uh, I was told the story and then I saw it on the news that night. So, but Bill Murray can, can actually play, but he's always wearing some sort of funky hat and he's, um, uh, he's just a character. One time, when we were playing at um, at Westchester up in New York, he uh, caddied for Peter Jacobson. And in the locker room, guys, we had probably 25 of our golf bags all lined up along this wall. And Bill Murray comes in carrying Peter's bag, and we're all – I think it was at a rain delay. And so there's probably about 50 of us standing there and looking at him, and he starts to stumble and hits – the first golf bag with the back end of Peter's bag in dominoes, all 25 <laughs> clubs. They all fell down, and then he jumped right on top of them. It was, <laughs> it was pretty, fun, pretty fun. That's fantastic. Hey, Jay, we had you tell the story about how when you broke your driver at the Ascension Charity Classic, you were able to get 10 years' worth of uh, uh, technology <laughs> when, when you got the new head. And Dan was saying that you've got a tailor-made person coming up on the show, and I looked at the tailor-made carbon driver. How much of a difference do you think materials can make from one year to the next in the changes in a golf club? Like, if I have a four-year-old driver, is it going to be dramatically different if I get a new one in 2022? Well, it's interesting, Randy. Typically, I would say no. I would say don't go for it. This thing is an entirely different animal. It's so much so, and Jeff Thornhill is the guy that's coming on today, and he is just a great guy. So much information. Uh, I was I was taking notes because some of the stuff he was telling me, but TaylorMade, you guys, is no longer going to make Metal Woods. That's how much they're all in on this carbon material. Wow. And, and I've hit it, and the face is definitely hot. So it really just depends, Randy. If you're talking about, I think, all things considered, if you hit your, what are you playing now? Which, uh, which driver do you the have The M4, the TaylorMade M4. Yeah. So if you have, if you have the M4 and, and you hit both of them as well as you can, you're probably going to get somewhere between 3 and 10 yards out of this uh, new driver. The face is hot. It, it is really super hot. And what they did was they were able to layer all of this carbon. And, and Jeff talks about this. I, I was, like I said, <laughs> clueless and just writing it down. But what they did was they, it's, it's a much lighter um, uh, material. So what they can do is rearrange the weight to get more uh, of the weight where you need it. And so, it, some smart guys are out there figuring this out, spending millions of dollars They've been working on this technology, you guys, for over five years. And wow. so, and, 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 and probably much longer, but that's what they're admitting to. Well, it was interesting that uh, Phil Mickelson uh, came out and kind of, you know, he, he was pretty vocal about his displeasure with how the tour has handled its revenue and specifically media rights uh, for the players. What, what did you think of what he had to say this past week? You know, it's something that no one ever talks about, Danny, but I can remember how excited I was when I slugged out 
and got it through the, the qualifying school, six rounds, and we had this um, uh, orientation the next day, and we're signing all these papers, and I thought to myself, what in the hell am I signing? I'm not buying a new house, you know, and, they, and but what wound, winds up happening is you sign everybody, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, the whole crew signs away their rights to our own um to our own self. Basically. So image and likeness, that kind of stuff. Image and likeness. So basically, yeah, thanks. That was said really poorly. Thank you. <laughs> really, what happens is um, when I had a deal with Anheuser Bush, they did. They wanted to put um, some uh, cutouts of me in the beer section because I was representing them, and I said, "Yeah, that's not going to be any problem." I called the tour office, and they said, "Oh no, that's that is not going to be like you just tell them how many you want. They have to pay for that." And I'm like, what? I can't believe it. So what Phil's talking about is all of the all of the videos, all of the great shots that he said, all of these other things that he has, besides the massive millions of dollars that he's made in his career, the tour owns the rights to everything of Phil Mickelson in terms of pictures, likenesses, everything. So if if you want a picture of Phil, uh, you, you want to use a 10-second clip of Phil holding the putt to win the PGA championship or the masters that he won on 18 when, when he won last, it's going to cost you. And it's going to cost you a ton. Could you envision golfers unionizing? Oh my gosh. You know, there's this talk for 15 years, the last 15 years of my career. And you throw 150 guys in a room that have been on their own their whole time. And it's the biggest cluster you've ever, (laughs) you've got all sorts of different opinions and all sorts of different I, I just don't see it. I, I, they probably should. When I talk to some of the other friends, especially our hockey player friends, you know, we don't have great uh, hotel deals like none. We have an okay uh, a car discount. But I know some of the NHL players, you know, even after they retire, they can still use some of their hotel discounts and go to a, a really nice Western or something and get, you know, a good rate. We don't have anything like that when we play uh, and and nothing like that, you know, uh, now that we're retired and things like that. There's just not much like that. So what do you think? Like Bryson DeChambeau, uh, there was reports that he was offered $135 million to join the Saudi Arabia-backed Super Golf League. Do you think Do you think some of these players may take that money and say, yeah, uh, you know what, I'm in it for the money and this is what I want to do? I, Danny, I really don't accept, you know what, I'm going to start changing. I, I read about it every single day. Lee Westwood signed an NDA. So this non-disclosure tells me that Lee Westwood has signed up uh, or has done something that no one else has done because he couldn't talk about it in his press conference. I've been uh, kind of glued to this uh, um, information that's coming out, um, and, and it's and it's just coming out so slowly. They are throwing – so they, they allegedly offered – Ian Poulter, he's 46 years old. His career is way on the back nine, somewhere between 20 and 30 million to join. So they are really just trying to fire money at people to get somebody to do this. And I, as a young player, I don't know why you do it. Because so the take, uh, I don't know, take either Ricky or take Justin Thomas or, or Jordan Speed. These guys are in their mid 20s. And uh, well, Fowler's a little older, but they have made probably. 30 to 40 to $50 million already on the PGA tour. And they're after wins and notoriety and records and things like that. This, this isn't going to have any sort of influence on that. It's going to load up their bank account 
but how much money do you need? Mm-hmm. Yep, great, great question. Jay, great stuff. Thanks as always. We'll be tuned in on Sunday morning. Can't wait to hear that. And have yourself a great weekend. Great show, Randy. I'm really glad because you and I are about the same age. I'm really glad you didn't call me to tutor you in high school. <laughs> we would have had some real problems, man. <laughs> yeah, we'd have been right to the golf course, buddy. That's you're, where we'd have been. You're right about that. See you later, Jay. Take care. Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got a quick take it or leave it. Get your text in now, the Air Comfort Service text line on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Six five seven eight zero. That is the Air Comfort Service text line. Now, as we mentioned with Jay Delsing, the Pebble Beach Pro Am is being played this weekend out in the Bay Area, and there's three different courses that are being played: Pebble Beach, Spyglass Hill, and uh, the Monterey Peninsula Country Club's Shore Course. Uh, Danny Mac, take it or leave it. If presented the opportunity to play in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am the day before it started, you would forego doing a show with me so that you could go out there and play. I'd uh, take it. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Th- that's not even a... That's what you too. call in the business, Randall, a no-brainer. Yeah. Former Missouri resident Josh Kroenke playing in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am this week. I don't know how. I don't, I don't. He must have bought his way in. I'm trying to think, like, what would be the catch there? So is he the president or owner, considered owner he's of not the, the owner. Stan Kroenke's considered the owner, but he's not, the now the Rams are talking about the Nuggets, the Nuggets and the Avalanche. Yeah, yeah. he's he's in so charge there's of the, yeah. there's the celebrity exactly right. Yeah. He he earned that. Um, yeah, really. Uh, take mm-hmm. it or leave it. everything he got. Take it or leave it. The uh, Billikens beat Dayton and they beat Davidson, and with that, with that. Mm-hmm. The resume improves, and they could get an at-large. Uh, is the Davidson game here? The Davidson game is at Davidson. I'm going to leave it then, Dan. I, I, reluctantly, I'm going to leave it. It's a Saturday on the 19th of February. Okay. I, I will take that they beat Dayton tomorrow, but I'm not going to take that they'll beat Davidson. Number 18 in the country right now? Yeah. I don't think they beat them on the road. Here's what's interesting, though. You could win. So the Billikens come in having won now four in a row. They win tomorrow. That's five. You've got LaSalle, St. Bonaventure, back-to-back LaSalle before Davidson. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. They go, they're go. they going to have a nine-game winning streak going into Davidson. I'll take that. I'm with you. And that's where that makes that really interesting. Right. You, you win nine guys, in a row, you, yeah. you're feeling it. Yeah, the other night, they, they were fortunate when their big guys fouled out and they still won. You have to have your big guys, one of the big guys, on the floor. All right, some of your tech, 65780. Matt Rocchio, what do you got for us? Take it or leave it. Uh, we got another one here. It's National Hemp Day. Tim Lincecum and Josh Gordon are probably celebrating together. I'll take it. I'm going to leave it, although I'm going to say they're celebrating. Just yeah. not together. Okay. I think that's fair. <laughs> I think it's fair. I'm just trying to take a realistic view of it. Perhaps they're playing a video game together. With a lot of snacks. And why yeah. isn't mm-hmm. Ricky Williams there? Uh, take it or leave it. Kairu wins the fastest skater competition. I'll leave that. I'm going to leave it. I think Connor is McDavid in it. I think he's in it. That's who I'm going with. <laughs> yeah. If he's in it, he's going to win it. 
take it or leave it, Kenny Boyer and Scott Rowland should be both should both be in baseball's Hall of Fame. I'll take that. I'm gonna take that. There are 17 right now, currently, which I, I, I don't quite understand this. There are 17 third basemen in the hmm. Hall of Fame. Interesting. Seven of the 17 were voted in on special committees. So you only had wow. 10 that were voted in by the the mm-hmm. you know in the 10-year period of the voters. I think Kenny Boyer was one one vote short of the last time that he was on one of these special committees. I think he's going to get in. If and Ron Roland will Santos get in next in, year. And I have the utmost respect for Ron Santos' career. But if Ron Santos and then Ken Boyer's got to be in. Period. They were the same player. Exactly. Uh, and I think Roland gets in next year. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I'm pretty sure I'm going to screw up his name. Jim Bakken is a Hall That's, of Famer. You got to leave it. Correct. You got it. Bakken? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave that too. Love him. Great guy. But uh, close, and, but no. Yeah, part of the Cardiac Cardinals. Yeah. But Jan Stenerud, until yeah. Morton Anderson, he That's was right. the only kicker in the Hall of Fame, and he was a major difference maker. Bakken, while hitting a lot of great big field goals for the football Cardinals, was not a difference maker. Sebastian Janikowski, does he go in? I don't think so. No, I think that the two Andersons, Vinatieri yep. and then Stenerud, I think right now those are the only four that I would vote for to put in the Hall of Fame. Maybe Evan McPherson. Yeah, Emac, got to put him in there. Give him a few more years, and he's on his way. All right, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up, we've got a fun little exercise. The Athletic put together their all-time baseball draft of not just players, but more, and we stole it. And we're going to have ours for you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Yesterday, Danny Mack found this great thing on the uh, the Athletic. And what it is, it's called the Mega Mock Draft, building a league from scratch. And what you get to draft, and all the writers from the Athletic did it, so it was much more involved because they have so many writers at the Athletic. But everybody got to draft a pitcher, a position player, an owner, must be one of the 30 current owners, a manager, must be one of the current 30 managers. Your GM, it's a free pick, could be literally anyone. Somebody took Bill Belichick, somebody took Barack Obama, somebody took Ken Rosenthal among their (laughs) writers. So your GM can be anybody. The city your team will reside in, it's got to be one of the current 30 MLB cities. You have to determine, like, if Chicago, Bay Area, New York, what part of the city. And then the ballpark. And your ballpark can be magically transported to whatever your city is. And we just did rock, paper, scissors to determine who gets to go when. And Dan, with a rock against Matt's scissors and my scissors, got the first pick. Mm -hmm. Matt, with uh, scissors and me against the paper, got the second pick. And then I have the third pick in this snake draft. So as we start this power draft, Danny Mack is on the board. And, Dan, you just have to tell us when the pick is in. The pick is in. And we're going pitcher first, correct? Whatever you want it to be, Dan. Okay. Anything. All right. I'm going to go owner then. Okay. Uh, I'm going Steve Cohen because I think that – if you're going to win, you got to win. And, and by the way, you could not take your hometown people. Right. That, that was the right. other thing. Yeah. So if you wanted Mo, you wanted DeWitt, you wanted yeah. Ali, you can't do that. So I, I went Steve Cohen. He's going to spend. He's going to mm-hmm. spend to the luxury tax, and he's going to spend over the luxury tax, which means I'm going to get a lot of good players. So I'm going Steve Cohen. Okay. Good deal. With the second pick, Matt Rocchio. 
uh, the uh, the pick is in. I'm actually going to go owner as well. I'm worried about this one getting snapped up. I'm going to go with John Henry and the Fenway Sports Group. Talk about money for your team. I'm getting money for my team there. They know how to build it. They know how to do it smartly. It's not just throwing out cash because they want to. Diversify, I'm, too. I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going right. with uh, John Henry and the Fenway Sports Management Group. All right. Very interesting. Uh, gentlemen, I have the third pick, and the pick is in. I'm going to go with a city. I'm going with San Francisco with a great fan base, a record for consecutive shutouts. They've shown that they'll support a team, and it's an extraordinarily wealthy market. So San Francisco is my first pick as a city. And then I I have to do this, guys. Ah, do I really have to do it? No, uh, I don't. Okay, the pick is in. And I'm not going outside the box, but it might surprise you. I'm going to take the first manager off the board, and I'm going with A.J. Hinch, who has won with lesser talent, did a magnificent job with the Tigers last year. And you bring in trash cans, too? Obviously is tainted by right. the scandal, but has a great relationship with players and the media you and a good fans. Video department. Accountable. He, that's not something we draft. He hires that, oh, Dan. I didn't know if that but was part of this. I, I'm video taking A.J. Hinch as my manager. Great. Uh, cameras and uh, yeah. aluminum yep. trash cans. There we go. Okay. All right. So next up, it's Matt Rocchio. All right. I'm going to go with my position player, um, and the pick is in. I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to do this, right? Shohei Otani. You are. All right. Yes. Beautiful. For my position player, I'm, I'm selecting Shohei Otani. Obviously, giving me a little bit of flexibility overall. But yeah, the man was incredible last year. It's not. It's not a hard pick. I don't think. My pick is in. I'm going to a city. I don't care if I have fan support. I don't care uh, really about anything except the fact I get to live there. That's San Diego. Oh, nice call. So it's really just a totally selfish bet that I want to be there. Hey, we we said we could do anything we wanted here. Whatever you want here, Daniel. Now, am I uh, still on the clock? Yes, you are. You've got another pick. I'm taking Wrigley. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm taking Wrigley and transforming it to San Diego and and, uh, building up the gas lamp district of San Diego. Do you think the Ivy's going to die? I don't care. (laughs) Me neither. I get to go to the beach and play a lot of golf and then go to Wrigley. Count me in. All right. Wrigley Uh, in San Diego. I like it. Next pick, and here is Matt. my manager uh i'm gonna give him a bunch of money from my ownership group and he's gonna do even better than he's doing right now in tampa bay i'm going with kevin cash nice it's a good one all right very nice okay uh since you have done that and i have and I, i'm back in the snake here i have hinch as my manager i am going to take the first general manager off the board gentlemen and the pick is in <laughs> And uh, this is actually pretty easy for me. I'm going to go with Eric Neander of the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm going to give him a little bit of money to go with. Uh, he uh, Actually, I'm going to back up. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm changing my pick. Whoa. I can do this because I'm in charge here. I am going to go with Andrew Friedman, the Dodgers GM, who has been in 
uh, Tampa. He was the overseer of the start of the Tampa Bay Rays. And now we know he can build a system. We know he can effectively spend money. We know that they can scout. So I'm going with Andrew Friedman as my GM. Okay. And I've got another pick here, right? You should do. You are on the clock. Okay. And guys, our next thing, I am going to go with a starting pitcher and I'm going to go with Jacob DeGrom. Mm. Jacob mm-hmm. DeGrom, eight years, two Cy Youngs, along with top nine Cy Young finishes in six of his eight years, a career earned run average of two and a half. The last four years, his ERAs have been 1.70, 2.43, 2.38, and last year only 15 starts, but 1.08. Jacob DeGrom is my starting pitcher. All right. All right, I'm going to go ahead and make my move on my ballpark. And uh, the pick is in. One of the best ballparks in Major League Baseball. I'm taking Dodger Stadium right out of the gate. Great place. We're going to have some issues with the security. We're going to get that Mm -hmm. ironed out. Don't worry, because we're moving it to a different city. Don't worry about We're going to get the security. But... I just, it's a beautiful park, and don't worry about the Chavez Ravine, um, you know, scenery. I'm, I'm going to improve on that. Don't, don't you worry on that. All okay. right. Back-to-back picks for Daniel. All right, my manager, the pick is in. Going Bob Melvin. So Bob Melvin was nearly 100 games over 500 with a financially strapped Oakland A's team and was able to get them into postseason play. Now he's with the San Diego Padres, so Bob Melvin would be my manager. And I also have my general manager ready to go as well. And the pick is in. Now, he's working as a president of baseball operations, technically. That's but, okay. You can pick anybody. Yeah, I'm going Farhan Zaidi of the uh, San Francisco Giants. So That's a great I, call. He's he's pretty darn good and does a lot with a little, did it with uh, various teams throughout his career. And, got San, I mean, he turned San Francisco into a juggernaut last year when no one thought they would. Guy can flat out do it, so he's my guy. All right, I'm going. I'm worried about my, my GM. Yeah, actually, I don't need to worry about my GM, GM pick. You guys already t- picked your GM, so I'm going to go ahead and take my pitcher, and the pick is in. Uh, Walker Bueller. He had an incredible season uh, last year. Obviously, you know, there's you know, there's not the the huge track record of some of the other pitchers I could have taken, but huge year last year. He only has 400 innings or no 500 innings on his on his arm right now, so I'm going to have him for a long time. I'm going with Walker Bueller for my pitcher. All right. All right, good. I've got back-to-back picks here. Guys, I'm going to go with my position player, and he's only 29. I know he was hurt last year, but he's coming back. He's still in his prime. I have to go with Mike Trout. He's just one of the best players of all time, and I know he's going to do it for me. He plays a key premier position in center field, so my position player is Mike Trout. And uh, then I get to come back, and I am going to pick my owner, should I pick my owner or my stadium first? Doesn't really matter, does it? No, we're, but we've both picked ours. So I think with my owner, I'm going to go, since I have Andrew Friedman, with a group that owns him, the Guggenheim group that owns the Dodgers. They're going to be my owners uh, for my franchise in San Francisco. All right, so there's that. All right, the only thing, I only have two things left to pick. I'm going to get this out of the way right now. I'm going to pick my city, and the pick is in. <laughs> I'm taking one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks with one of the best views, I'm in, and I'm taking advantage of the first thing, and I'm improving on the second thing. I'm going to move it to Denver, Colorado. 
Oh, get nice. those beautiful mountains in the back. They already get to do a good job of uh, highlighting that. But Dodger Stadium is going to make that even better. And I'm going to try to mitigate some of the, the home run issues, uh, bo- both by having some good pitchers and by uh, bringing in one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks in the first place. Right. And Daniel gets to uh, wrap up his roster here. Okay, so my position player is in. Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm, nice. Plus, I've got my ballpark in San Diego, so they already have a familiarity with him, and I just think he's really good. Yeah. So I'm good. going Fernando Tatis Jr. Now, this player has already been picked, but yet he is a dual threat. Mm-hmm. Shohei Otani is my pitcher. <laughs> oh, I like this. Yeah. So I don't know, because Matt took him as a position nope, player, you, but I wanted you, him as my you pitcher. You get him as a pitcher. That's yeah, fair. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. That's fair. And then I will finish off my draft, uh, picking my GM. He's already pick. Hold on. uh, The pick is in. He's already worked with my ownership group, and I think nine years is a solid window to win some uh, titles with Shohei Otani and Walker Buehler. I'm bringing Theo Epstein back into the GM chair for my franchise. Very good job. Yep. And, guys, I'm going to wrap up with my stadium here. And so I, it's interesting because I have the Dodgers GM and I have Dodgers ownership, but my city is San Francisco and my ballpark has to be tailored to my city. So I'm going with Oracle Park and I'm leaving it right where it is on San Francisco Bay with McCovey Cove. And so in San Francisco, I've got Oracle Park. I don't blame you on that one. That's good. Yeah, it that's works. a good one. That's that's really as good as it, it just gets. works. You yeah. know what, Dan? My uh, my number two ballpark was Petco. I love Petco. It's a great park. It is. It's a really cool park, and the uh, the hotel is attached to the ballpark. So mm-hmm. when you have that really bad weather in San Diego and you just don't want to walk outside, <laughs> you can walk inside to go to the ballpark, which uh, I don't think I've ever done. But if you wanted to do that, you can. And you're right by the district there. There's all kinds of restaurants and bars and things to do. It's awesome. I love Petco. Do you think, guys, that you could ever wake up in San Francisco if you lived there and take it for granted? There's so many things to do in San Francisco. Um, I'm sorry, San Diego. Just You you wake up to a beautiful day every day. I, I think people probably do if they don't know any different. Yeah. Like, if you're born and raised there and you haven't done much traveling... Uh, as opposed to being born and raised here and waking up to this this morning, and you wake up to, you know, basically 76 every day. Yep. You might get in the 50s every once yeah. in a while. It's overcast, and you're like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I've never woke up in San Diego and not thought, when I looked out the window, how awesome is this? And it's refreshing. Yep. Yeah, it's just, that's why I wanted to uh, move my team there. Yeah, so that's why I did it. All right, we're going to put all of this up on the Twitter machine. We'll have uh, a a photo of our picks, and you will be able to vote between Matt's team, Dan's team, and Randy's team, and that'll be on Randy Carricker on Twitter. That'll be in just a few minutes. But coming up next, our weekly visit with Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by The Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. Hey, 
Hey, let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line because our friend, blues analyst Joe Vitale, is with us. And there's really no hockey, so uh, except for the All-Star Game tomorrow and Jordan Cairo being in the skills competition, the fastest skater competition tonight. Not a ton of hockey to talk about, but Joey is versatile. He can talk about other things. And uh, it's always great to have him on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Randy, doing awesome, man. Doing awesome. Good morning to you as well. So how do you like deep snow like this? Uh, you know what? Deep snow like this to me is the only snow that is the only snow really that I can tolerate. It's the dusty, the dusty one inch that kind of like just enough to annoy you, right? Uh, that that that's a pain in the butt. But anytime a kid can go out and sled the way they're going to sled and and do the snowman and do the whole and do all, all the kind of cool stuff the kids can do, to me, that that's just such a part of childhood. I know a lot of adults out there. Uh, can relate to that as well. I mean, it's like uh, it's like going to a water park with kids. It's like, yeah, the kids go it, and then eventually the parents are like, yeah, let me in there, give me give, give me a piece of this, right? And, and I think that the the snow like this is kind of the same nostalgic feeling for adults when you kind of want to get out there and and kind of mix it up a little bit. Did you get the kids out? The kids were out. Yes, the kids were out, and they, they were loving it. Uh, especially my 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 fourth birdie. It was their first snow. And, Jeff, of course, his his first snow as well. He's only four months, but he couldn't really get out and get into it much. But you know, the, the kids are funny. They're like a brand new puppy in the first snow. They kind of it's all curious at first, and then after the first minutes of curiosity, then they realize it's not going to hurt you. They kind of just jump all in. So um, you know, it, with kids this young, Randy, as you know, it usually lasts for about twenty minutes mm-hmm. of like complete laughter and like this euphoric state of happiness, and then and then it turns quickly. Into like the deepest valley of hell. You know what I mean? Like where the face is all frostbitten, and then the gloves, the mittens don't work anymore. And then, and once you're cold, you, you're never uncold anymore. So yeah, that. But that's parenting in general. You know, I, my buddy just had his first baby. He goes, "What's it like?" I go, "Imagine, imagine the biggest roller coaster of your life, where the peak at the top is as happy as you ever could have ever imagined ever be in your life, and then within minutes, boom." Like a bomb goes off, and like you are the most miserable, depressed, <laughs> evil version of yourself you ever could have imagined. And that's and that's parenting, man. It is, and then the, the thing is, you're exactly right. But then, when you are that person, the the miserable, evil person, you have to hold all the miserable and evil in. Yes, that's the problem, and the most the reason for our misery is not our children, and that and that's as I yeah. grow older. I'm learning more and more about that. Like uh, a kid spills milk at the table. Like if I freak out about that, like, gosh, Harper, like, again, dude, when are you going to learn how to just hold your, it's not him. He's just doing what kids do, right? Kids are supposed to spill milk. That's just what they do, right? But it's, it's me. It's, it's me about how I'm not like my best self and how I'm taking care of myself, which is also hard because you're up all night with kids who are not rested. <laughs> you're not eating properly. You're probably having a couple of drinks to numb your feelings. And then you feel worse the next day. And then you're going to numb those feelings because you feel bad that day. And it's just like the ever, ever cycle roller coaster of parenting. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, Joey, it, it was just four months ago you had your fifth kid. Are, are you guys working on number six here or what? It's It's been a few months. No, it's officially over, Dan. I appreciate you asking. No problem. Uh, I, actually, I, I got my vasectomy after my third, and then my <laughs> wife and I, during the pandemic, we thought, oh, hey, there's not much going on. Let's have, a, let's have another baby. So I actually had it reversed. I had Dr. Etai, awesome, awesome dude, out in uh, Highway 40 over there by CBC. Shout out CBC, alma mater. And uh, so we did that. 
the reversal I was unfamiliar with. Like, like when you get a vasectomy, I remember my guy in, in, in Arizona, he was listening to Led Zeppelin. We were uh-huh. chatting about music and life. Like, like life's fine. But, but the reversal is hard because you got to keep, keep in mind, like, we're dealing with, like, two things the size of spaghetti noodles, right? And you got to reattach those things from the inside and then the outside. Now, the good news for me was that my nurse actually was a mom at my kid's school parish, which I didn't know. <laughs> and then the surgery, she, she literally goes, hey, Joe, my name is Donna. I go to St. Peter with your, your – my, son, my son's go to school with your kids. I go, oh, wonderful. She's like, yeah, I'll be your scrub nurse for the next six hours. I'm like, whoa, okay, well, nice to meet you. Uh, I guess you guys are going to have a lot to talk about the next mom's wine night at St. Peter. But, um, you know, and then I argued that the room was really cold after surgery, apparently. I came out all groggy, and I kept explaining to her, hey, in my defense, the room was cold and all this stuff. And, and then the doctor came in and was like, hey, you know, no, no sexual activity for 30 days. And I said, Doc, I'm fine, but you got to talk to my wife. So I embarrassed her quite a bit under all this, under all this anesthesia. So, yeah, long story short, we, uh, we ended up having a couple more, but that is it, Dan. No more. I got it flip-flop one more time, and uh, we're good to go. Joey, All right. it just struck me that you are the Brett Favre of fatherhood. You, re- yes. you retire, make a comeback, <laughs> and, and then retire again. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. Brett Favre's a good cat. Yeah, we're in good company. That's fine. Hey, I got to ask you this, because when I get up in the morning, my wife, in, invariably now, here we are in February of 2022, she asks me if I've done Wordle today. Do you do Wordle on your phone? Is that where the, the, the letter scramble and you got to put it uh, put it together? Yeah, and you have six, six chances to come up with the correct word. Because you, you be, know what? You're perfect yeah. for this. I mean, no, I kind of, I kind of, I'm actually not good at word games, but that is something that I never got into, Randy, but. It's a big thing for in hockey locker rooms where where everyone's. Got, I'm sure you guys. It's probably the same in baseball. I would imagine Dan, where they get the the, the USA Today crossword puzzle. And uh, the funniest was where like the, the like the, the the morons from Canada, like the junior A guys who never even like finished high school. They literally walk around with a big chew in their lip with their crossword puzzle, and they literally have half it filled out and words that they don't even know what. But they literally go from person to person, and they literally just copy answers. But they're walking around like they're Bill Gates and they know like all the answers, right? It, it was always the funniest thing, but no, I never got into the word thing. I, I always struggle with it. Now my kids and I, we love the Sudoku. We'll do that over mm-hmm. and over. Cause I actually can find a little bit of success in that. I think it's good for the kids as well, but I uh, know the word. I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah, just yeah, do a Google on your phone. W O R D L E. I think the kids will love it. And it, you can only do it once a day. You can't get stuck doing it for hours. So it's actually a pretty convenient little uh, thing to keep your, your brain going. Yeah, I tell you, my, my biggest problem now, I people keep talking about Netflix and these TV shows, and what's this Western show with, like, cowboys, like uh, the Yellowstone or yep, something? Yeah, a lot of people I, talking about that. I, I Listen, I, I don't have time. Five I, kids? I have not take, I've not gone to the bathroom by myself in probably three years. Like, literally, <laughs> I've been interrupted for three straight years. So I don't know how I'm supposed to sit down and do a Wordle, a Squirtle, or whatever the heck it's called, and then watch Yellowstone and a bunch of cowboys rounding up some some horses in the old west. I I just I just don't have time. I I totally get that, Joey V. Oh yeah. By the way, um, you know we've covered a lot of topics. Uh, you ready for the All Star uh, weekend or what? Yeah. Hey man, looking forward to this one. I love that it's in Vegas. I was just chatting with my my buddy Paul Bissonnette the other day. They have a great little Pink Whitney event going on down there. Th- those guys are doing a great job. I love what they're doing 
to promote the game and all this kind of great stuff. But I was talking to him. He said the Vegas is just – it's just booming. And, you know, it's just – I'm so grateful for that because I'm a, I'm a person who likes to reflect a lot. And, and, I, and I do this after games sometimes when, when like, the Blues lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs a few weeks ago. And it was a great game. It was a great game. I think that was uh, – someone caught the puck up. I think it was Scandella caught the puck up, Bennington exchange, and they ended up losing the game late. But I remember looking around. It was a full packed house and the fans were still applauding, and I just remember the cardboard cutouts. I mean, I felt like I was in the twilight zone. You guys must have felt the same yeah. way. I mean, we have come such a long way, and I'm going to tie that back into the All-Star game, what's happening this weekend. Uh, I'm seeing pictures. I'm hearing from people. Huge crowd, great activity, uh, mass off outside. I mean, all kinds of wonderful things that, that hockey is just known for for so long that we had to take a bit of a break from. So right now, I'm loving it. I love that Jordan Kyrie was getting a piece of it. Uh, for the St. Louis Blues side, I see that he's going to be in the fastest skater competition. So I'm really, really super pumped about that because I think that he has a legit chance of winning this thing because, you know, especially you look at how Barzal won it when he was in St. Louis. Everyone's eyes were on McDavid, McDavid, McDavid. But sometimes it's those younger guys. Sometimes it's those guys that haven't been there very much. There's the excitement and enthusiasm just like beaming through their, through their skin that they just want to go out there and just excite. You know, it's kind of like the, uh, the old veterans, the old veterans are like, I've been here. I've done this. I kind of don't want to be the hero. I just want to enjoy myself. We probably had a little too much to drink last night. So it's Connor McDavid, Alex Ovechkin, although he won't be there, but those types of players, those are the guys that you kind of like think of oh, may take a little foot off the gas a little bit. But young players like Jordan Kyrie, I think he's got a legit chance of winning this thing, which is kind of cool. And I know he'll represent St. Louis well. Hey, Joe, last thing. You mentioned Paul Bissonnette. You guys were together with the Coyotes. Do you think the Coyotes make it? You know what? I, I don't. I don't, Randy. I, I just I just don't. I know that the latest thing we've seen is that they are going to be occupying the same spice, space as Arizona State. Mm-hmm. I can't see that lasting too long, uh, given the capacity. I don't know how they're going to make money. I think it's in the right location. I mean, playing in Arizona, Glendale is atrocious. Like, it's a 45-minute drive for, for, for all the Coyote fans down there. They did it to, to build it, obviously, for the tax reasons that the state was going to fund them for. So you get why they did it, but, but it's just too long of a drive. And all the people that are going to games are the people from Scottsdale, from Phoenix. Right. And they got to drive 45 minutes, and it's just too much. It's like going out to Lake St. Louis to watch a Blues game if you're from the city. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a hike, right? So – um, I don't think they're going to last. I don't think the capacity is big enough to share a rink. I don't think they're going to have the, the funding to build their own rink. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we're at the, you know in Scottsdale, that is the right spot to be. But you know, I just I, I can see them moving to a couple different cities. And I talked to Chris Zimmerman about this, and even Gary Bettman a little bit on the side when we were up at the Minnesota uh, Minnesota Winter Classic. Uh, two cities that really jump off the page. And I'm sure we've heard, or everyone's heard a little bit of. Uh, Houston being number one, another Texas city, yep. uh, along with Dallas to be a good one. And then obviously Quebec could be another really, really cool one right now. Although Quebec probably not a good time to be discussing uh, a hockey team <laughs> up within the closed building right now, unfortunately with the politics going on out there. But Houston and Quebec to me are two, two great cities that I think would host uh, a great team. And uh, to me, at the end of the day, I think that Arizona is going to be a team that ends up moving somewhere. Joey V, I always love having you on. So does Dan. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of this break, and we'll talk to you next week when the Blues are going again. Hey, sounds good, boys. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy the snow. Thank you. You too. That's Joey V, Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. Next up, the fight. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
and Carriker and Smallman. In the red corner, Average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. All right, let's say good morning to Josh. He is back for day two of his championship run here to take on Randy. I'm Dan McLaughlin filling in for Michelle Smallman. She's on a long extended vacation. She's in South Africa. She went down to a wedding and then uh, a safari. Matt has got questions two and four. I'll have one and three. And Josh, good morning. Did you uh, survive the storm yesterday? So far, we made it. All right. My truck's stuck, but, you know. We're good now. Okay. How did you get it out? Shovel. Yeah. It happens, huh? It happens. All right. You ready to go? Let's do it. When Michael Phelps set a new record for gold medals, won in a single Olympics in Beijing in 08, whose record did he pass? Was it Jim Thorpe, Mark Spitz, Eric Hyden? Spitz. All right. What city has hosted the most Super Bowls? Miami, New Orleans, or Atlanta? Oh, for some reason Miami jumped out to me, so I'll go with that. Pete Rose sits atop the all-time hits list, 4,256. Who is second on that list? Willie Mays, Ty Cobb, or Stan the Man? I believe that's Ty Cobb. And earlier this month, Andrew Wiggins was named to the starting lineup for the Western Conference All-Star team, making him just the third Canadian-born player to be named an All-Star alongside Jamal Maglior and Kyrie Irving, Brandon Jennings, or Steve Nash. All right, can you repeat that question again? I misheard it. Andrew Wiggins was named to the starting lineup for the Western Conference All-Star team. He is the third Canadian-born player to be named an All-Star alongside Jamal Maglior and... Kyrie Irving. So your choices are Kyrie Irving, Brandon Jennings, or Steve Nash? Steve Nash. Okay. All right, Josh, well done. Randall, come on in. Come on, Randy, let's go. Josh, do you feel feel confident? You know, oddly, I do. Um, Yesterday, I did not. I thought it was terrible and got three. So, you know, hopefully we're not switching it today. Okay. Randall? Yes, sir. Say good morning to Josh on this Friday. Josh, welcome back. How you doing? Doing good, Randy. Good, good luck. Great to have you with us. Same to you. Randall, better be on your game. Are you ready? All righty, I'm ready. When Michael Phelps set a new record for gold medals, won in a single Olympics in Beijing in 08, whose record did he pass? Mark Spitz. What city has hosted the most Super Bowls? I believe it's New Orleans. Pete Rose sits atop the all-time hits list, 4,256. Oh, good. Who's second on that list? I think it's still Ty Cobb with 4,191. Oh, so you have that number. You got to slow down this question just yes. a little bit. Okay. Earlier this month, it's Andrew Jamal Wiggins mm-hmm. was, named the, was named the starting lineup for the Western Conference All-Star team, yes. making him just the third Canadian-born player to be named an All-Star alongside Jamal Maglor and... Third Canadian player to be an all-star in the NBA. Uh, I will do the lifeline here. Was it Kyrie Irving, Brandon Jennings, or Steve Nash? Steve Nash is Canadian. I'll go with him. Well, it is a tight one, but we do have a winner. The winner and new champion.
champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. Brought to you by Optical Expressions, providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Okay, that's enough. Let's uh, we got to move on here. So yeah, Randy's getting upset. Well, I, uh, we don't do a minute of Gloria. I'm just the guy reading the questions, <laughs> I know. Randall. All right, when Michael Phelps set a new record for gold medals, won in the uh, Beijing Olympics, the record he did pass, both got it right. Mark Spitz, mm-hmm. Matt, number two, number two. Um, what city is hosting the most Super Bowls? Miami by one. Oh, okay. Uh, Pete Rose, all-time hits leader, Ty Cobb, number two. And Andrew Wiggins was the third Canadian-born player to be named to the All-Star team with Jamal Maglor. Steve Nash was the th- first of the three to be named to the All-Star team. All right, so Josh got that right. Randy uh, got that right. The only one you missed was the Super Bowls, which was the most in Miami. Mm-hmm. That's it. Good All job, right, Josh. so Josh will be back on Monday. Yep, looking forward to it, Josh. Good job. Have a great weekend. All right, you guys too. Thanks. See you later. That is Josh on 101 ESPN. As we roll on, we're going to head to the Brown and Cooper celebrity line. What? I'm scared. What are you scared of? You're you're mad. No, I just, we have a clock we have to go to. I don't control the Gloria song. No, I know. That's why I was telling Matt to fade it down. Fade it down. (laughs) We don't need a minute of Gloria. We we just don't. But we we do get a lot of. We have Jeremy Rutherford. Just win, baby. And, uh, and that takes a second. But the other songs don't. Okay, let's play Gloria for a while. Go ahead. Oh, he's mad. Go to break. Go to break. Go, go, go to play break. Gloria go for a while. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic is standing by. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good, good morning. How you guys doing? Everything's great. You have a great piece up about Jordan Cairo, who will participate in the fastest skater competition. It's a really interesting story because I think, JR, we just assume that when a guy gets drafted, that that's the skater that he is. And that's certainly not the case with Cairo, is it? No, with a lot of these young players, I remember with Vince Dunn, Randy, a few years ago, uh, hearing about how he would you know, skip uh, things growing up. You know, his friends are getting together. They're going out. They're going on a camping trip. And he would just uh, stay home and, and go to see his uh, skating coach. And so they put a lot of time and hours, obviously years, into uh, getting drafted. And, and then they show up here in, in St. Louis, and you see they're such phenomenal skaters, some of them, like Jordan Cairo, and you know that a lot of work went into it. And so with him going to the All-Star Game and being in this fastest skater competition, I was able to uh, have a chat with John Stanbrook, of course, the great skating coach in the area. He's the blues skating coach. And just have him explain exactly what technically uh, and also physically makes Jordan Cairo such a great skater. And some of the things he said were just uh, enlightening. He said even, you know, he's just 196 pounds. You know, when I say just, you know, I, I keep that relative to me, which uh, <laughs> is a lot more than that. Uh, but he's got a lot of power. He's, he, he's got a lot of drive. And you'd see him at the mall in his street clothes. You wouldn't pick up on that. But he does have a lot of power. Also, the one thing that John told me, fast twitch muscle. Another thing I don't have. You know, this guy just uh, can boom, 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 boom down the ice. So a uh, pretty fun article to, to write. Do you know who he's going up against in this uh, fastest skater competition? Will McDavid yeah, be a part of it? 
Yeah, so McDavid's in there. Let's see, uh, Dylan Larkin's in there. Uh, Cal McCarr in Colorado. Like, I just look at the list, and I'm like, I'm sitting in front of my TV at 630 tonight. But honestly, I do think that Jordan Kyrie, like Joey told you guys, he's got a chance to win this. Sometimes these young guys come in here and surprise everybody. I don't know that Jordan Kyrie's going to be able to surprise anybody with this speed. People have been seeing it for a year and a half now. Uh, but, Dan, that is some field that he's going to be going up against. Why is Jordan Kyrou as fast as he is? Yeah, I just think that uh, the physical attributes that he has, Randy, along with some of the things that uh, he's learned over the years, and that was another interesting part of the article, is that a couple years ago, Jordan Kyrou is in San Antonio. He, he's got a hand injury. He's getting a, uh, some skates in with John Stanbrook. And John says that he that uh, Jordan Kyrou said, I want to turn like – Barzil, I want to I want to turn like him, and so I, I watched some film on Barzil, and it looks like what we see with Jordan Cairo. And you know, I've asked Jordan Cairo a few times, "Do you pay attention to these these guys?" A lot of times, when you ask these Blues players, you know, "Do you pay attention to the stars?" They say, "No, I want to be the best, you know, Ryan O'Reilly. I can be the best David Perron. I can be." But when you talk to Jordan Cairo, he says, "Oh yeah, I watch Connor. You know, I watch Nathan McKinnon. I watch all these guys and, and try to take things from their game." And so here's an instance where you know what we see on the ice, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas doing. They are mimicking what they see from some of these fast skaters. You just let me into Cairo and Thomas. Why do you think they've taken their game? It seems like to a, a different level this year. Is it, is it just experience, getting older, understanding the league? What What would you put your finger on it with? Yeah, Danny, a couple things. Uh, you know, first, Robert Thomas, he bursts onto the scene that, that rookie year. He wins uh, the Stanley Cup. He was a big part of that third line, you know, I believe, playing with Bozak and, and Maroon. And, and guess what? The league's hard. And also, guess what? You got Shannon O'Reilly in, in front of you. You know, it's hard to gain that, uh, that ice time and, and play a bigger role. Also, his conditioning. I think he, he went back and, and dedicated himself a little bit and came back in, in better shape. Uh, so I think that's why he's been able to, to look like a different player. And he already has the elite passing and, and we've seen more of that this year with Cairo, you know I think it was a little bit of seasoning I remember going down to San Antonio and watching him and, and and he had some growing pains and there were times when he was the most dynamic player on the ice and then he comes up to St. Louis and there's kind of a lack of awareness other than his offensive instincts there's a lack of awareness for the rest of the ice and I think he's learned that but the bottom line is once they start to prove themselves and get the coaches trust then they're going to get the ice time then the points are going to come. Then those roles are going to continue for those guys, and I think that's what we've seen this year. Jr. A lot of people that are Blues fans have head to, headed to social media. They've headed to your uh, site, The Athletic, and they respond to your articles by suggesting that the Blues should try to package Ville Husso in a trade for Jacob Chipkrin of the Arizona Coyotes. What would you think if the Blues would trade Husso? Yeah, you know, I, I think that'd be a tough decision for Doug Armstrong. You know, how is Jordan Middington going to play the second half of the season? What if Huso is the guy that, you know, kind of plays the, the better of the two goalies down the stretch and really runs with this thing? You know, if you're trading Billy Huso, um, you, you lose that, obviously. But he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, and he could leave after this year. He could find some opportunity, with, but, you know, a different team with uh, more playing time, more money, anything, and you lose him for nothing. Doug Armstrong has always been, I think, a type of general manager where he says you're not really losing him for nothing because you're getting him for those last few months of the season. Yeah, you don't get an asset in return, but you get that player. You know, and if Huso's going to play like this, maybe he can he can be that guy. Situation with Arizona and Chikrin, um, I'm not as familiar with the young goaltender in Arizona, but they, they do have a guy uh, up and coming. And also, 
you know, if, if Arizona makes that deal, they're going to want Huso re-signed. They're not going to make that deal and let him walk after the season. So, you know, any sort of trade uh, with those parameters, you know, Bill Armstrong would want to get Huso signed. Seems to me as well that if the Blues are all in, they can't do so with Bennington and Charlie Lindgren. All due respect to him. But if Bennington would go down or not regain his effectiveness, are you all in if you don't have Ville Huso on this roster? See, that's the thing. I think you almost have to have him on there uh, because he gives you a better chance to win. And you just don't know. Like, Bennington's an unknown with the consistency right now. He could come back and, and be great, and then all of a sudden you, you say, maybe we can't afford to, to trade Billy Hughes. So I know some people are going to disagree with that. You know, I'm not saying, you know, that's that's what they should do. I'm just saying uh, potentially. But to me, you need two goaltenders. And, and the thing is, you're right, Randy. You know, if, if you lose a, a Bennington, or let's even say that you lose a Huso, and Bennington's still not playing consistent, you know, what good's the rest of the team if they can't stop the puck? And so all these pieces come together to make this team. You can have the most deep forward group. You can go at a Chikrin or whomever to help you on defense. Uh, but if you don't have that goaltending depth with a Bennington, with a Huso, and, and you know, even a Charlie Lindgren um, as depth, that, then I think um, you could put yourself in a compromising position. So to answer your question, I do think that if you're going to try to win this thing, not knowing where Bennington is right now, you're probably thinking about hanging on to Billy Huso. We were talking off the air. It seems like an eternity since the Blues played, and it's only been since last Saturday, and they won't play for another six days. This is really a long layoff. I, I think it's going to be fascinating how they come back. Yeah, 11 days off, uh, Danny, and we thought we were going to get a you know long break because of the uh, Olympics, sure. uh, but, but, but not playing in the hockey so, in the Olympics. So now you have a situation where had a couple games uh, postponed, and so now they're going to get those back on the schedule. And first one will be, what, on the uh, 10th, February 10th against New Jersey. And then they're going to play 38 games in 79 days. Um, you know, it's going to be a grind down the stretch. You know, I heard uh, Craig Berube on with the fast lane a couple days ago, and, and he said, yeah, a little bit too long for his liking. He wants to get these guys back. You know, they'll practice relatively soon. The guys got away this past week, uh, but after the All-Star break, probably get back together in St. Louis and, and start to skate. So, it's going to be fun. But, yeah, you're right, a lot of time off right now. JR, always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it, and uh, have a great weekend. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys. See you. That is Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. By the way, coming up at 9.15, we're going to talk to Billiken's coach, Travis Ford, his club in action against Dayton tomorrow. Coming up next, though, we had our baseball mega draft at 8 o'clock, and we want you to react to it next with your text 65780 on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. All right, we need you to participate in a poll that we have up on the Twitter machine. We have had uh, a mega draft, a baseball mega draft, and we're going to give you our rosters here in just one moment, but we need you to know that it's 9.02. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We had a draft, and we stole this idea from The Athletic. We are not above blatant stealing of segment ideas. And we did this with our friends from The Athletic, where their staff picked from baseball a pitcher, a position player, an owner 
a manager, a general manager, and it could be any general manager from anywhere. Somebody picked Bill Belichick on the athletic draft. The city your team will reside in and the ballpark that it'll be playing in, and you can move the ballpark to said city. And I think we're all, Dan and Matt, pretty happy with the choices that we made. And we want you to go to Twitter. I've retweeted Matt's tweet. He's got all the rosters, and he's got the poll up. And uh, we'll give you the rosters, and you can weigh in with the text line 65780. And by the way, you could not pick your home city. So here in St. Louis, it had to be everywhere outside of St. Louis. So we couldn't pick Mo, for example. Or Mr. DeWitt or Bush Stadium or any of the players. So here's Danny Mac's group. His position player is Fernando Tatis Jr. His pitcher, and this is interesting, is Shohei Otani. His owner is Steve Cohen of the Mets. His GM is Farhan Zaidi of the San Francisco Giants. His manager, Bob Melvin, who's now of the Padres. The city, San Diego, and the ballpark moving to San Diego is Wrigley Field. Right. There were some professional aspects of this, Randy. Like, I love Tatis Jr. to Mm -hmm. be my cornerstone player. I think Steve Cohen will spend wildly, which he has. Yep, and he will. Uh, Right. But me, I wanted to live in San Diego. Fair. Because I wanted to play a lot of golf. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to the beach. Uh, wasn't really concerned about the business aspect of uh, baseball. And I thought it'd be fun to put uh, Wrigley and, and make it a party oh. atmosphere at the uh, Gas Lamp District. So that, that I was a little personal. and But then I, I'll just turn over my business side to Farhan and let him run all that and I'll get out of the way. Brilliant move. I took Mike Trout as my position player. I still think that he's going to bounce back from the calf injury last year. And I think DeGrom will bounce back from his injuries from last year. DeGrom has been the most dominant pitcher in baseball since he started eight years ago. My owners are the Dodgers owners, the Guggenheim Baseball Management Group, because of their ability to draft, sign, develop, and then go out and spend money as well. Andrew Friedman is my general manager. He, of course, is the general manager of the Dodgers, former GM and Pobo in Tampa. Bay. My manager is A.J. Hinch, based more on what he did last year in Detroit than the cheating in in Houston, which he was a part of. And I took Oracle Park and I put it in San Francisco. I kept it at McCovey Cove. You love San Francisco. Love it. And I love that ballpark. And I love the town. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I love the smell of garlic fries. <laughs> you're going to get plenty of that if you're yep. at Oracle Park. That's the, the, the neat thing about postseason baseball in San Francisco is, as you well know, and having gone out there and covered the Rams all that time, when you're there in October or November, mm-hmm. it's fairly warm. It's great. You know, it's it's a really, the climate is perfect. You're going to have some chilly nights, mm-hmm. but people know that. They bundle up. They're, you know, they understand that. They're right in the cove, and you're getting the water, you're getting the bay, you get the 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 marine layer that comes in. It's it's cool, man. Pretty it's good just golf different. around there, too. Oh, really good golf. Yeah. Really good golf. Okay, here's Matt's team. He took, and Dan took Shohei Otani as a starting pitcher. Matt took Shohei Otani as his position player, which is allowed in this draft. Matt took Walker Bueller as his pitcher. Great young choice. Uh, Matt's owner, John Henry, in the Fenway Sports Group in Boston. His GM is Theo Epstein, who reversed the curse in Boston and then did so in Chicago as well. Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays is Matt's manager, and he's putting Dodger Stadium in Denver. So that's his group. You can go to Twitter, and 101 ESPN has retweeted these. Matt's tweeted. uh, I've retweeted it. You can look at the rosters, and you can vote. And we would like you to weigh in, 65780, to the Air Comfort Service text line. 
from the 618, Danny Mac simp wins simply because of location. It's all about location. <laughs> well done, Danny Mac. Well, again, uh, I'm not – look, I'm worried the, the business side will take care of itself. But if I got Wrigley in that climate next to that district, I'm going to make a lot of money. And I think Bob Melvin's a really good manager. And, uh, you know – Farhan is a great GM. Mm-hmm. He can do a lot with a little. So if I want to spend a lot with Steve Cohen as my my owner, I I got that. Um, but if I say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna tighten up the purse strings, I still think yeah. I can win. A text from three one four. I would have taken the old Tampa Bay scout who moved to the Dodgers. I know you selected GMs, but I would take him based on his ability to scout and win without the financial backing while in Tampa Bay. And that guy that did it in L.A. was actually Farhan Zaidi, right. Dan's choice. Uh, by the way, I figured this was coming. Um, three one four. I voted on the Twitter. My vote's for Randy. I was going to vote for Danny Mac, but he chose that ratchet urine smelling Wrigley Field. Come on, Daniel. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I mean, I, I figured that was going to happen. I get it. Maybe we'll we'll invest in in a cleanup of urinals. I can't. I can't in good conscience pick a stadium where people are blocked by poles so aggressively. I, I get yeah. it. I I just every time I'm there. I don't know if you've been there, Matt. Oh, I know yeah. you've been there regularly mm-hmm. to Wrigley, Randy. I and, sat next to the pole. It, I, just like <laughs> could have been worse. You know the to me the history of it is just to think that Babe Ruth was on that field, to think that the Bears played on that field when they first got there, how they put the ivy in it. The, I, I don't know, man. You give me that, you give me Fenway, you give me Dodger Stadium. It's pretty cool. And, and don't get me wrong, I love new stadiums. I think new stadiums are there's aspects of those that make it a lot of fun too. But the history that baseball is. Baseball has been around forever, mm-hmm. and to realize that some of these guys, Stan the Man got his 3,000th hit there, that's pretty cool. You know, that to me is neat. And when I had McCarver as my partner, I used to say, I asked him, I said, what what stood out about Wrigley? And he said the dirt. You know, and he talked about the dirt when it was in your hands and things that you mm-hmm. can do. And it still relates to today. I, I don't know. So I, are we bringing that dirt to San Diego yeah. with us? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, okay. by the way, they say in San Diego, when you talk to the pitchers, by the way, they love the mound. They I don't know why. They say it's just a great mound in San Diego. They the, love Petco Park's mound. They feel comfortable being able to give up a 430 that isn't going to leave the park. Maybe that's part of it, is that the dimensions are very big. But it's cool. I, I just love the history of those historic places. Was there a difficult choice for you guys in, in making a pick? My, my yes. hardest thing was with the player. Mm-hmm. I was too. so close to taking Correa over Trout. I wanted Trout, so then I shifted to Tatis. I wanted Bueller and our Degrom, and then I then I wanted Bueller. So then I was like, "Well, I'll sell tickets with Otani." My thought process, honestly, when I first my first pick was actually going to be Otani as my pitcher and Juan Soto as my player. I was thinking and, about Juan Soto, if, and that's, that's and that was a tough one, one not yeah. to go with. But Soto just, was my third player. The, the pitching, you know, play, being able to play with Otani and both, and being able to get a star pitcher, and then I was doing Denver and everything. It just it made too much yeah. sense. That was one t- uh, tweet we got was somebody really surprised that out of three lists, no one took Juan Soto. But I have a feeling all of us had him very high in the consideration. Yeah. It, Don't you think, though, if you're running a team, to an extent, when you're running a team, you're also thinking about, at least I would, the marketability of said player. Yes. Mm-hmm. So with Tatis, he's a really you know popular player. Yep. Otani's on the cover of the latest uh, PS4 or whatever the, yep. the game is. So I thought about great players and selling. And there was a scenario that yesterday I was looking at with either Soto or Trey Turner and Max Scherzer where I could have wound up with the nucleus from the 2019 Washington Nationals. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I thought about Trey Turner, too. 
Think about yeah. how good that that was. Rendon, Soto, Scherzer. Uh, who else am I missing? We just Soto, uh, Strasburg won MVP of the World Series. Yeah, I mean, man. Right now, uh, Danny Max pick by the way is uh, winning the poll with forty three percent of the vote. Randy Carricker in second with thirty two. I am bringing up the rear with twenty five percent of the vote. There you go. And then uh, my backup, uh, actually, my number two ownership choice. Matt took my number two ownership choice. That was Boston. So I was I was felt lucky that the Dodgers. We're still there. And then for me, my top two choices for manager, ironically, were both from that Houston team in 2017. Hinch was my one and Cora was my two. Did you uh, did you guys think immediately on the ownership thing of who's going to spend the most money? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, absolutely. That's just, was the but, first thought process. But I also wanted a franchise that could develop talent. And yeah. so I know the Dodgers can develop talent too. I would like to think that if – uh, there's a really interesting article on the Mets here recently about they they had invested a lot of money into their international system and that kind of thing. Um, some mm-hmm. panned out, some didn't, but they they now have gone back to being kind of like what the Mets were 10 years ago, which is spending on big free agents. Um, you can do both. And if you have yeah. deep pockets, you can develop those and, and develop players. And I, I think the Dodgers have done that exceptionally well because they keep putting out players, young players that are coming through their system. Yep. Let me give you one more that I uh, thought of here. Let me get back to uh, my my setup because uh, I, I think this is really underrated. I think Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City is beautiful. Oh, after the renovations yeah. and what they did. So they put $500 million, 250 for uh, the, the Kauffman Stadium. 250 on the other side, which is that that whole area, the parking lot where both stadiums mm-hmm. are there. The renovations are awesome. They uh, did a great job. On my draft board, I had San Francisco Oracle Park 1. I had PNC number 2. And I had Kauffman Stadium as number 3. I used to love going to the old Yankee Stadium. Me too. I, I missed the old Yankee Stadium. We had a texture in here who mentioned, I had Camden Yards 2, but if I move Camden Yards to Denver... I'm never going to sign a pitcher. No, no you, you may not sign a pitcher if you're in Baltimore. A, I would never sign a pitcher. Those so. dimensions have to change. <laughs> you can't do it. Yeah, they changed it a little bit. Um, but it's got to go even further, yeah, though. Yeah, I agree. Yep. So that's our draft, and we appreciate you participating. Go to the Twitter and follow. Dan, have you retweeted yet? Uh, Go to no, Dan, Danny right Mac now. TV. will retweet, and you have to retweet both the rosters and the poll. And 101 ESPN's web uh, Twitter page has retweeted it. Mine, Randy Carricker, uh, Matt Rocchio's has. So just uh, uh, Rock ESPN, is that it? R-O-C-C ESPN on the Twitter, and we want you to vote. Next up, a big one for the Billikens tomorrow as they take on Dayton at Chaffetz Arena. We're going to talk to the head coach of St. Louis University, Travis Ford. Next on Carricker and Smallman, Minus Smallman with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Danny Mack and Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN tomorrow afternoon at Chaffetz Arena. The Billikens in third place in the A-10 with a 6-2 and two conference record. Take on Dayton in second place in the conference, 7-2. and two. They're 15-7 and seven overall. And joining us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line is Billiken head coach Travis Ford. Always nice to talk to you, sir. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, guys. Doing, uh, doing good. Just uh, appreciate you guys having me on. But, uh, yeah, we just... We were able to make it back from D.C. We kind of got stuck over there. 
I can imagine getting uh, having the situation there with the weather in the east and then having the weather that was happening here. Were there any delays? Did you get back in time? Well, we made it back. We, we normally come back after the game. We would come back after the game Wednesday night. And we got, uh, we end up having, we got stuck uh, Wednesday night in D.C. Um, because of the weather back here. We couldn't get back in. And then you're exactly right. We were concerned on Thursday, yesterday. We were concerned about the weather on in D.C. Just because it was raining and stuff. We were a little concerned. But we were able to get back. We got Oh, we made it back here by about 2 o'clock yesterday. Beautiful. Hey, hey one, one other thing before Dan asks you a question. I, I want to steal this one because I see the expression on your face when your big guys are committing fouls and your two most prominent big guys fouled out the other night. How do you, how do you react in your mind when you see this occurring, where, where you see Francis foul out and you see Martin foul out? How are you reacting as a coach then? Well, you, we normally, you know, when you get two centers – like we do that, you know, can play a lot of minutes. We, it's not a good scenario to get them both in foul trouble. Now, a little bit of it uh, was on me on, on Wednesday night because we kind of left them down there on an Island. George Mason was averaging about 10 threes a game, making 10 threes a game. And a lot of those threes came from in, uh, in, inside to out. The, our, their five man was a great, uh, really good passer from the post. So we kind of locked up on our men on the outside, which left our <clears throat> big guys kind of on an island one-on-one inside. And, you know, and their center ended up with 32 points. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's not the greatest scenario, but luckily we do have three guys we can go to. The the third one's very, very young, extremely young. Lessina Troyori is a very young player. Um and we started mixed match in, in over the double overtimes. We actually had T.J. Hardgrove play a lot of five for us. Hey, Coach, uh, it's Dan here, and, and thanks for coming on on short notice. But we wanted to get you on to make sure we promoted tickets and, and get the place uh, packed tomorrow. But the, the 10 nominees came out for the Bob Cousy Award list, which essentially is the best point guard in the country. I'm not saying he should win it, but to not be on the list when you lead the nation in assist, and I'm talking about Yuri Collins, uh, I quite don't understand that. Uh, the floor is yours. What, what was your thought on on just seeing that? And I was disappointed. What, what did you think? Well, uh, obviously, more than just disappointed, it, it it was a little appalling. I mean, it. it, it but I've seen this before, Danny. I, I've seen this before, not just with my players, where guys get left out because I think whoever's voting on this probably has never seen even the people they're voting for. They just look at on TV and they just look and see whose name they've heard. And you start looking at that list and it's a very good list. Now, don't get me wrong. All the play, I, I saw the list. I went and looked at it and those are some good players, uh, but it are, it, it is like Kentucky's and, you know, the, the Gonzaga, you know, it, it looks like they just went and looked at, all right, who's the point guards on maybe the top 10 teams in the country. Uh, and that's an easy way out when you don't, you know, if you're, if you're nominating someone or voting for someone, you probably need to do a little bit of homework. Uh, it would be my first, uh, no different than we do our homework on our opponents to try to prepare whoever's voting on these things might need to do a little bit of homework or all of a sudden their, their votes uh, are not valid to me. They're just, it's just not a true sense of understanding of what's going on in the world of college basketball 
when you don't have Yuri Collins on there. So to me, it's a little bit, it's disappointing. It's appalling. It's a little bit of a joke. I mean, it, it almost makes the whole thing, but those are good guards, but, uh, you know, it's it's some guys just take the easy way out. Absolutely, and I, I thought Yuri just played, and it's you know stating the obvious, but boy, he played a hell of a game the other night. And if he can knock down shots, watch out. So he was perfect from the free throw line, gets the game winner. Uh, we know he's a great assist guy and controls the floor, but boy, if he can knock down some shots, coach, uh, the sky's the limit with this young man. Yeah, it is. He's been special all year long. I think you know you just look at what we lost from last year's team and Javante Perkins, nobody really, when Javante went down, gave us much of a chance. I mean, I've got articles written about it when he went down. People talking about, oh, if we had a chance to have a good team. We could do this. We, you know, we could have we been this. We could have done that. You know, and, the, you know, you lost Jordan Goodwin. You lose Hassan French. Nobody gave us much of a shot at all. And we had put together an extremely, extremely difficult schedule based upon thinking Javante Perkins was going to be here, you know, going to be ready to go. Uh, and then he goes down, and like I said, nobody really gave us a shot. And Yuri Collins kind of put our team on his back and has just been done an amazing job taking a lot of pressure. Uh, and what I mean by pressure, he takes a lot of the other team's pressure upon his shoulders, and he, and he performs at a high level, makes everybody around him better. Uh, you know, it's just an amazing job. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's enough positive you can say about it. Travis Ford with us on 101 ESPN. Dayton tomorrow, 1 o'clock at Chaffetz Arena. Tickets are available. And, Coach, the Flyers have a couple of pretty substantial young forwards, don't they? They do. This is a, an extremely impressive team. Uh, you know, their starting center is one of the best centers in the league, and he's just a freshman. Uh and he was a top 50 player in the country. Uh, he, he's a great player, Holmes. He's averaging almost, four, almost 15, 16 points a game in league play. They got a four-man that was a 12-point-a-game score at Georgia last year, who's their second-leading scorer. They're both big guys. I mean, they're both 6'8 or bigger. Uh, they got guards that can shoot it, and they probably have one of the top defenses in, the, in, in, in not just in our league, in the country. And coming off probably one of the most – dominating performances in college basketball. Uh, you, you know, you just don't go to BCU and beat BCU by 30. You know, when, and BCU is very good. Uh, I mean, that to me is one of the more impressive wins in all of college basketball this year to be able to go do that. And they just did that two nights ago. So, yeah, this is a really, really good Dayton basketball team. Obviously, we know Dayton's got a tremendous amount of tradition. Uh, and, you know, they're going to they're gonna have a big crowd here or they usually do behind their bench. They bring a lot of people on their charter plane with them. This is usually a big game for them as well. We need to pack Shapitz Arena tomorrow at 1 o'clock. It needs to be packed. I just walked out there, guys. There's already a, a, a really, really cool white Billiken basketball T-shirt in every seat already uh, draped over it. Uh, we just need to make this – we need to get this place loud. We need to get it packed. How are tickets right now? What are you hearing, Coach, in terms of how many are still available for tomorrow? There's some available. We still, you know, there's, there's still some available. I would encourage everybody to – If I always say I usually know the indication of a crowd by people calling me and texting me, whether it be friends, family, whoever it is. And uh, my phone has start re- stopped ringing the last two days, uh, people wanting tickets. So uh, I would encourage everybody to uh, jump online. Uh, go grab your tickets quickly uh, because uh, I think everybody sees beautiful day out there today. 
the roads are clean. I've been to the office early this morning. The roads are nice. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be warm inside shape. It's so uh, let's let's make this a great atmosphere tomorrow at one o'clock. You know, Coach, I didn't get that return text that I sent you for those uh, four tickets I needed, but uh, but we, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. People saying the same thing right now. <laughs> I bet they are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Coach, I wanted to ask you about Gibson Jimerson. Okay, in my mind, he's going to go down. If I was the if I'm, let's say, Davidson, I'm Dayton. I t- take any team you want in the A10. He's right. going to be the guy that they're going to say, "Is this guy ever going to graduate? Is, is he ever going to go away? <laughs> he's a freshman, yeah. and he's he put up 31. Then he had 28. So my my question is, um, what did he do to take his game to another level to become one of the the, the top scores in the conference? Well, I think the first thing he did, he, he kind of changed his mentality, and that's the thing I'm probably the most proud of in his approach. And what I mean by that, he used to let little things bother him. If he missed a couple of shots here and there, it would bother him. Now he just moves right along. He's got a really tough mentality, a really tough mentality, uh, loves the competition, uh, understands that we need him to score, has a scores mentality. Uh, and then the second thing, obviously, he's scoring in a variety of ways where he was just a three-point shooter. Now he can put it on the floor. He's got a nice mid-range game, getting to the rim, nice bank shot. He's getting to the free throw line. Uh, he's getting, you know, he, he's really expanded his game and he's accepted the role. You know, every player on our team has a different role than they've ever been in except for Yuri Collins, every single one of them. And he has accepted his role as a guy that we need to score uh, and, and we need him to score in a variety of ways. He's accepted that and has gone out and done it for us. Last thing for Travis Ford, the head coach of the Billikens. They play tomorrow against Dayton at Chaffetz Arena. Tickets available by calling 977-4-SLU, 977-4-SLU, or just going to slubillikens.com. Coach, you've won four in a row. You've won them in different ways. Yuri with the game winner in double overtime last night. Is there such a thing in as momentum in a season like this? Well, I think... You know, you start talking to your team back in October, November about, hey, we want to be playing our best in February and March. You're not trying to be your best in November, December. You're just trying to be good enough to win. That's all you're trying to do. You're just trying to be good enough to win games. And you want to start hopefully being your best by February, March. I think we are right now based upon, I think, you know, probably longer than any team I've had here in a very long time other than probably year one. It's taken our team a while to fully grasp our defensive concepts. And, you know, they they seem to be starting to get it. It's late, no doubt. It's already February. But we're starting to see some things that uh, that we weren't seeing in January. And another indication of that is after every game – we, we go back and watch every we, – we break every game down and we always review it with our team before we move on. And, uh, and we start preaching in December that, hey, when, when late January, February get here, we need to be seeing a lot more positives than negatives because we show negatives on a splice and we show all the good things we've done. In, in December, there's probably 20, 25 negatives and there's probably like 10 positives but we're still winning games that needs to flip by February. And we've seen that flip where when we watch tape, there's a lot more positives than negatives, but you're always judged on your next game. So we've got to have that consistency uh, and the habits 
that uh, hopefully we formed since we started practice back in October. Travis, we always enjoy talking to you. Good luck tomorrow. We'll be there, and hopefully we'll have a full house at Chaffetz. Thanks for joining us on Short Notice this morning. No, guys, really appreciate you having me on. Just want to reiterate, everybody go out and get your tickets quickly. It's going to be a great atmosphere. You want to be a part of this. You get a free T-shirt. Get a free white T-shirt. It'll be sitting in your – it'll be waiting on you at your seat. And uh, let's make uh, shape it's loud tomorrow. You bet. Billiken Blizzard 9774 SLU. And you can go to slewbillikens.com for tickets. Thank you, sir. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Coach. Travis Ford, head coach of the Billikens on 101 ESPN. I still uh, think that that is, and I've done college basketball, as you know, Randy, for a long time. It's mm-hmm. it's a neat facility when that place is packed. Oh, man, it's great. It gets loud. Uh, Want to see it loud tomorrow. And that's Really nothing else going on in sports world around here right now. Not that much. So get on out. Watch a little college basketball. Should be fun. Have a, a, a great lunch. You can go to either Fieldhouse or go to Vito's. Yeah. And have, I don't know if Vito's will be. You'll have to check Vito's website and see if they're open that early. But uh, you will you have some great restaurants around Slough as well. I, I just, I love going City down Foundry. there. City yeah. Foundry. It's fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a great time. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Ross Tucker of the NFL's Ross Tucker podcast, also of Westwood One, joining us here in about eight minutes here on 101 ESPN. But we do have some tidbits for you with your killing me smalls, starting with this. You're killing me smalls. Danny, Mike Giardi, NFL Network tweets, Adam Gase's name keeps popping up when speaking to league sources mm. about the Patriots' now vacant offensive coordinator position. Gase did not have a great deal of success as a head coach in either Miami or in New York with the Jets. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's been around the block. He's a Mark, Mike Mart's disciple. Wouldn't that be something if Adam Gase would wind up as the offensive coordinator in New England? Little known fact. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. He hasn't blinked since that introductory press conference. How about that? Isn't that what crazy? Is that? It, I don't know how he does that with his eyes, but he hasn't blinked. And mm-hmm. uh, just amazing, really. I mean, it's kind of yeah. an oddity. You don't see that very often. Matter of fact, I don't think I've ever seen that where someone hasn't blinked for three no. years, but he hasn't. Sleeps like that, too. Take it or leave it. If Gase does get that job in New England, he gets another chance as an NFL head coach. Take it for sure. I think so, too. Especially coming from New England, if they have any success, absolutely. That's just wild to me. Yes. And Bill O'Brien's name still floating around as a possibility for the OC in New England, too. H- had you ever seen a more odd like what was going on it there was the was... weirdest press conference ever his introductory press conference with the jets just was the weirdest press conference ever there's been some dandies you yeah. know guys get up there and they start doing the coach yep. speak and slamming on the podium and then other guys unimpressive but that was just yeah. like the physical nature of it was bizarre yeah. joe vitt's daughter jen worked in the rams pr department and that's adam gase's wife oh really yeah so uh, he has a Somewhat of a, a St. Louis tie. What's Joe Vitt doing now? He just retired. He was with the with the Saints forever. Okay. And just, just retired after something like 43 years in the NFL. Wow. Dan, You're killing me, Small. Uh, thank you very much, Matthew. I forgot that. I'm glad that Matt remembered. Uh, 
Jim Harbaugh to Mitch Album of the Detroit Free Press says, I called Ward Manuel, the Michigan athletic director, and I asked him if he wanted me to be the head coach. This is after his Vikings interview. And Wardle said, yes, 100%. And I said, okay, then, that's what I want to do. And I told him, Ward, this will not be a recurring theme every year. This was a one-time thing. Harbaugh says that he was in the interview with the Vikings. He wanted to see if they were all in. And he said during the interview, he had a sinking feeling that the Vikings weren't. He said nothing against their ownership or their people, but they just didn't seem to have the same level of interest in winning a Super Bowl that I did. Or maybe they just weren't as interested in him. Maybe he wasn't the top choice and he figured that out, having been through this process before. By the way, at Michigan, Randy, he's got a top 10 recruiting class yeah, coming. Yeah, he does. Right. So, you know, he falls back on going to, to Michigan if that's a fallback, which I don't know how it could be when you're going to Michigan to be the head football coach. It's a great job, and you're an alum, and they love you for the most part, um, and a top 10 recruiting class, and you finished in the top four in the country this last year. I I, I don't buy into, hey, this is my final, this is it. I'm, I'm staying here at Michigan. I don't buy that. Somebody else comes calling, he gone. He says he he said he wanted to win another Super Bowl. He said when you get so close, you want to take that shot one more time. But he's 58 years old. He's got his this is his dream job. Yeah, the Michigan is his dream job. And I wonder if he's recognized that and said, you know what, I'm not as we've seen this year more than any other. There isn't across the board commitment to winning Super Bowls in the NFL. It's hard to find that ownership that wants to take that shot every year. Well, and maybe feels like, okay, I've I've tried this enough. Here's the other thing too, and correct me if I'm wrong. I wonder if he feels disenchanted by the previous year, where a lot of people were coming down on him and saying, "Hey, you hadn't beaten Ohio State, mm-hmm. you didn't play well, you're getting beat up in the Big Ten in the COVID year." And a lot of people were kind of off the, the Harbaugh bandwagon, and he remembers that. I mean, he's a human being. They, you know, that stuff sticks with you, and I wonder if that was part of this, too, where he said, hey, I'm, I want to be where I'm wanted, mm-hmm. and everybody's 100% behind me. Now, I would imagine they're back on that bandwagon with how they played this year, but, I, you know, that, that kind of stuff sticks. Guys are prideful, and I wonder if that was part of it. That is your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head back to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line as we head down the stretch. Ross Tucker of the Ross Tucker Podcast and Westwood One talking a little Super Bowl on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker. It is 946 in St. Louis. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Ross Tucker of the Ross Tucker Podcast joins us. You can follow Ross on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. He's all over social. He's got a spectacular podcast. And it's always good to talk to you, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. Thank you so much for having me. Now, we're, we're thrilled to have you, and uh, you, you were involved in the broadcast last week and w- uh, another unbelievable weekend of football. Let's start with that. Was this the best year of playoffs leading up to the Super Bowl that you can remember? Well, the wild card round wasn't that great, so I'm not sure about that. I know this. I think the divisional round was the best weekend of football I can ever remember. I'm talking about my entire life. Every game was better than the next. You know, that Bengals-Titans game with the game-winning field goal by McPherson, 
And then that just led, of course, to the Packers getting upset by the Niners and the snow. I was in Tampa for that unbelievable comeback by the Bucks, but then the Rams surprised everybody and still win the game after the comeback. And, of course, you know, we'll be talking about that Bills-Chiefs game for a long time. Mm-hmm. Although, I say that, and, you know, when the teams that play in a game like that, if neither one of them ends up getting into the Super Bowl or winning it, those games kind of lose their luster a little bit. You know, it's like you almost need whoever won that game to go win the Super Bowl, and then we would talk about it as a game for the ages. Now, I'm not saying we'll forget about it, but it just won't quite be the same. Ross, I don't know how much you follow baseball, but one of the maybe the best World Series game ever played was Game Six of the 2011 World Series. David Freeze, hometown guy, hit a home run to win a game for the Cardinals, a game-winning homer. And Tony Larusa told Joe Buck the next night before Game Seven, he said, "You know, if we lose, nobody will remember that. If we lose Game Seven tonight, nobody will remember Game Six. And that you're you're talking about the exact same thing. I agree with you. the The luster of that victory is lost a little bit because of the the Cincinnati win last weekend there's no question and and that was stunning I was on the sideline for it and certainly was not expecting that at all especially when it was 21-3 but I'm just very impressed by this Bengals bunch I mean they they don't blink they they believe and I really think by far the biggest reason for that is their quarterback Joe Burrow it's amazing how much one guy can change the mentality of an entire franchise, but it really feels like he has. I mean, I I interviewed him, guys, a couple minutes after the game on Sunday, and they said I could have three questions. Okay, no problem. I'll get get good three questions ready. I'm telling you, he was so relaxed when I asked him the first question that I kind of changed my game plan, as any good interviewer should do, And my second question was, Joe, you just won the AFC championship game. You're going to the Super Bowl. How are you so calm right now? (laughs) I mean, I just couldn't believe it. And he's like, well, you know, right after he made the kick, I was really excited. But, you know, it's been a couple minutes now, and I've kind of moved on, and I'm already thinking about the next one, and I kind of thought we would come here and win. Like, I was just blown away by how relaxed, Calm, cool. I know Joe Montana's Joe Cool, and that's his nickname, but I don't know, Burrow, I'm not saying he's the player that Montana was at all, but he might be even cooler in terms of <laughs> wow. his demeanor. It's amazing that you say that, and uh, I was going to ask you about that. I was listening to your interview, and I was curious what it was like to be on the sidelines for that and to visit with Burrow and what you took away. So calmness by Joe Burrow, but I'm sure euphoria for everybody else on that sideline. You know, it's, uh, I, I never even got to a conference championship game in my seven years as a player. Um, furthest I got was a divisional round with New England at 05. I got to tell you, it's one of the most rewarding and coolest parts of my job is to be there in the moment when a lot of these young guys, like they're not married yet, they don't have kids. It's the best moment of their life. You know, they're going to the Super Bowl. Their dream since they were four or five years old is coming true. It's so cool. I mean, I interviewed Joe Mixon, and he got he got emotional. 
he started crying. And I think part of that's because, you know, it's been well documented, but Joe had a horrific incident in college uh, that was on video that he'll really never live down. And a lot of teams wouldn't touch him as a result of it. But the Bengals drafted him. And I think he was just like so appreciative of the organization for giving him that opportunity. He, he choked up talking about the organization, talking about the city. It was really cool. Ross Tucker, the Ross Tucker podcast. You hear him on Westwood One joining us on 101 ESPN. And Ross, you talked on your latest podcast about the Brian Flores lawsuit. And we had the lawsuit against the league here in St. Louis. And I, I think because of what it was, one team moving, it's not a lawsuit that could have rocked the league. How do you feel about this one, though? Is, is the Flores lawsuit if it goes to court, one that could change and rock the league? You know, it kind of already has. I, I mean, just in terms of the discussion around it, it it's, uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, the greatest player of all time retired, and it felt like an hour or two later, nobody cared because of this, you know, lawsuit from Brian Flores. Uh, you know, including the text messages from Bill Belichick. And the one that really jumped out to me is accusing Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, of offering him $100,000 per loss. I mean, that if there's any type of paper trail, if there's any type of evidence for something like that, I really believe that that's the type of thing where they could force an owner to have to sell. Although I talked to Albert Breer from the MMQB, on this morning's Ross Tucker football podcast. And he has heard, or he expects Stephen Ross to suggest that he was joking, which is actually, a, I, I would think a really good defense. I mean, if you say you didn't say it, and then there's multiple other witnesses that say they heard it, then you got major problems. But if you say, yeah, I said, that I was joking. I was just trying to intimate to him that, you know, it was a rebuilding year, and that losing that season wasn't the worst thing. I wasn't really offering him $100,000 per loss. It was a joke. I don't, know how you, I don't know how you argue. I mean, I don't know how you argue against that. You know, you can't – if a guy says he's joking, how do you know he's not? I'm 100% with you, and he's also an investor in a gambling company. So gambling is going to become, obviously, front and center. It already is in certain states. And if he's an investor with that, with the NFL, and you're offering a coach hundred grand to throw games, uh, that's a little bit of a conflict of interest, Ross. Uh, you think? <laughs> uh, no question. No question about it. Uh, it's a huge conflict of interest, which is why a lot of people believe that the NFL would force him to sell. Yep. If there's any type of paper trail, any type of evidence. So that will be uh, very, very interesting. We have a little over a week before Super Bowl 56 in L.A., as you mentioned. You know the Bengals very well. The, the Rams are, are, are what they are. We don't know if it'll be a home game for them. Well, they'll be on their own field at least. But are there things that you see in the Bengals that make you believe they can go to L.A. and win this thing? Yeah, it's, I think it's probably that they just don't know any better. You know, I mean, to come back from 21-3, now I think the Chiefs, enabled that comeback a little bit for sure. But to come back from 21-3 like they did, I'm just so impressed by the resiliency. And honestly, 
you know, I think the coaching staff deserves credit, certainly. Um, but, man, oh, man, it just feels like a lot of it is Joe Burrow. A lot of it is the belief that Joe Burrow has. I think it resonates throughout the entire team. I, you know, I just – I've always said this with Brady. I think that there's a, a big psychological – edge there when you have a quarterback that you really truly believe in and he sets the tone for the entire organization and they're following I mean these guys they're following they believe in him and uh it's a really cool thing I mean I I don't know about I'm guessing everybody there is rooting against the Rams we are most part Um, I'm rooting I'm not rooting against the Rams I'm rooting for the Bengals because you know, that city, they've never won a Super Bowl. They hadn't won a playoff game since 91. I mean, I'm just – I am I was so happy they won the AFC Championship. I don't really care that much. And I've got friends on the Chiefs. I'd be happy for them. But I like fresh blood. I like when new teams win. I was hoping for a Bills-Bengals AFC Championship game <laughs> that we would be guaranteed that one of them would make it. But the Bengals won anyway, so good for them. Yeah, and, and if you're rooting for the Bengals, Bengals, we're a hundred percent on board. We're we're fine with that, Ross. Yeah. Hey, bef- before we let you go, uh, a lot of guys that are married that have no idea what to get their bride for Valentine's Day. A lot of guys, hey, what do I get my mom for Valentine's Day? And I know you've got some great thoughts. You've got great partnerships all the time for Valentine's Day ideas, right? No question. A buddy of mine actually started this company called MyFrontPageStory.com where they write stories. You talk to them for like 10 minutes, they write stories about your wife or your mom. And I've seen so many videos now where the, the wife is like opening it up, opening up the gift, and she's like, wait, what is this? Because it, it's framed, it's beautiful, looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper, and she's like, and it's a picture of her and the family, and the guy's like, I had a story written about you. And they don't even know, most women... Don't even know that's a thing, that that you can get that done. So they're so blown away. They think it's so awesome. It really is truly a neat thing to watch. And then when they actually read the quotes from the husband, like, I just never, you know, thank her enough or tell her how much I appreciate all the little things she does. They almost always cry, guys. Almost always. (laughs) I told my buddy the motto of the company should be myfrontpagestory.com. She will cry. You will win myfrontpagestory.com. We love it. Hey, your work is so good on Sidelines for Westwood One, the podcast that you do. We advise people to go to uh, Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and find all of your material because it's top shelf. Thanks so much for taking some time with us, Ross, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Anytime, guys. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. See you later. Ross Tucker. I like that idea. Yeah. Oh, it's a great idea. Yeah. Smart. Yep. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one and only Matt Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Randy. Danny Mack, we'll see you tomorrow at Chaffetz. Yes, sir. I'll see you there. If uh, the coach gets back to you. Yeah, I got a a blackmail. You're going to be the guy in blue? I'll be the guy in blue. Got it. Blizzard. No, tomorrow Blizzard, I'll be wearing white. Yeah, got to have some white. Got to put the white on. Absolutely. And uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. The Balloon Party is next for all of us until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. 
The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.